The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hello, Megan. Hi. What's happening? Good to see you. Good to see you also. What's crack-a-lackin'? Um, well, America. are you ready to get wasted? Yeah, you and this fuck... <laughs> <laughs> you and this fucking vile beverage that you bring. I brought... Lord, I've... I was like, Joe is gonna actually be mad when he so sees what I explain to people what this is. Okay. I brought Rysia. Uh Joe Rogan, this man right here, he talks about Rysia. <laughs> I talk about it. He, he gave it to me. And All I, the time. I serve you it to people. You never stop bitching about rice. Well, I give it to people, and every time I give it to people, they're like, "Jesus!" Ooh. I don't know. It's one of the rare alcohols that we've had in studio that we haven't burned through. Yeah, and I noticed you didn't give it to Snoop. The no. Squandered opportunity. I was like, "You're like, yeah, you don't want I don't that." Think and I was Snoop like, wants that. Maybe he does." I can't take a chance with Snoop. Okay, so Bracia is moonshine from the state of Jalisco which is where I live in Mexico. And it's similar to mezcal, so it comes from the agave plant, and that is the end of my explanation because after that I am confused. So, <laughs> I don't know why you like it. I don't like, know why either. Like, <laughs> I have no, I'm not like, I, I don't love most booze. Like, Really? I love drinking. But like, I love whiskey, I love scotch, I love ricea. So I you don't like, like strong stuff? I don't like tequila, I don't okay. like vodka, yeah. I don't like rum. Yeah, you're a strong drinker. Well, obviously, if you like Rysia, you you're a strong drinker. You like you like stuff you feel. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, what I I I can't explain it. Like I can't explain why I don't like tequila, but I like Rysia, which everybody else it. hates. Okay, thank you. Don't you. Have to explain shit. You're like Megan, just do you. Live you. Your life, you do you, you, like you girl. What you like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay, so what I brought this is actual moonshine. It's it didn't come in this bottle. My friend put it in this bottle for me, but she actually bought it from on the top of a mountain in Yalapa from a guy. I've tried it. So it's okay. <laughs> no. No. It's not gonna kill you. I, I mean. Yeah. I mean, does it kill you? No. 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 Doesn't it's kill good. You? Okay. I mean, they've been making this stuff for centuries. So they like, put in that bottle. Did you put? They the sell label? it out of two-liter Coke bottles. <laughs> I feel like that's the this one we is should what, try. This came out of a two-liter like Coke okay. bottle. Yeah, we, we have to try, try it. that one. That's I, the I one we look, try. I want to look at your face. Okay. Are we putting it in mugs? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why not? I mean, fuck it. This is not formal. No, Let's we're just not. Put it in these coffee mugs here because I'm probably gonna pour coffee in it later and just go. Ugh. Dude, you're gonna hate this. I promise. Okay. And, I, and then after, I'm going to give you some that you might actually like. And if you don't like it, then I give up on you forever. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm a whiskey then guy. Then we're not I friends like anymore. I, like I love whiskey, too. Buffalo Trace. Always. That's my kind of shit. Okay. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Always nice good to, to see, see you. you again. Very good to see you. Okay. Dude. I just got ricey all over my face. <laughs> That's what happens when you drink out that of mugs. It tastes <laughs> like it came from a fucking Coke bottle. Do you like it at all? <gasps> like, I don't know. I kind of like it. Well, I know, obviously. I, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I mean, let me tell you. Like, Well, Megan... Oh, you're a strong cup of coffee as a human, you know, and it makes sense that you would like a strong beverage. Okay, I thank you. It. Yeah, that, that actually makes sense. I appreciate yeah, that. It makes sense. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it fits you. This and this is like it's either forty-seven or forty-eight proof. 
And the way that they test the proof. They ain't testing shit. Is by, <laughs> she showed me a video. My friend showed me a video. And the, the guy who was making it put it in this little thing and then blew bubbles with a straw. And then he <laughs> looks at the bubbles, like he looks at the size of the bubbles and sees like how fast they pop. And that's how you know. Oh, super that- accurate. <laughs> Is he snake charm as well? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, <sighs> this one I bought from the bar across the street from my house <sighs> because I really I really loved I was like, this is so good. Yeah. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, I couldn't buy it anywhere. So, I so just is that a popular of beverage with Mexicans or is it a popular beverage with the expats? Uh, more like Mexicans. Like, for example. This is beautiful. Yeah, this one is beautiful. I love the little. You might. This one actually, to me, tastes more like a mezcal. Do you like mezcal? Yeah, I do. Like, this one is smokier, um, so you might like this one, but I also like the bottle a lot. I like how the bottle comes with that little necklace. Yeah. You can wear that if you want. No. It's not my style. (laughs) But it is Pride Month. It would fit for Pride Month. Perfect. Yeah. You can represent your LGBTQ um, allies or Or whatever. Or leprechauns. Or leprechauns, yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Um, But, yeah, like... I mean, Mexicans, this kind of stuff, they only sell to locals. Like, they don't sell this in stores. They sell it to the locals who live in that area. So, yeah, Mexicans like it. I mean, some Mexicans. Most people that I know think I'm a crazy person also. Like, in Mexico, they're like, you're the only person who buys this, Megan. (laughs) Like, you burn through all of our ricea and nobody else buys ricea. (laughs) Is that mostly what you drink down there? Yeah. Wow. Like, I drink red wine with dinner yeah, or at home, but if I go out, I drink crazy. Yeah. Can Sometimes, you get that? Have you ever tried to get a, a bar in the States? Like, have you ever gone to Austin and asked for Ricea? No. I don't think they would know what that is. Mm. Maybe. I'll, maybe I'll try. Try it tonight. Give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try to not get too wasted tonight because I have an event tomorrow. Oh, uh, what's your event? It's called Women Leaving the Left. Um oh. We're, uh, it's a panel of women, females, adult human females. Um, and it's at the Austin Central Library on West Caesar Chavez. Did yeah. I say that right? Yeah, 710. Um, and it's basically like, I, like I've been writing a lot lately about, sorry, I'm just like gonna launch into my spiel or whatever. I've been writing a lot lately about like my political transformation I suppose you could call it I I mean I was super left-wing for my whole life like from when I was a kid I grew up in like a Marxist household Mm -hmm. so I was like a socialist and a feminist my whole life until maybe I don't know two or three years ago I started feeling like I wasn't super into the labels anymore and definitely started feeling becoming very critical of the left and not just the way the left had treated me, which has been abhorrent. Um, But ideologically, I think that there's problems. It's not, you know, it's not specifically bothers you. Well, I mean, I, I guess. So part of the thing that happened was that I realized that attaching yourself to any movement and any ideology limits critical thought and independent thought. Um, yes. You get trapped into this box, and the people that you're 
allied with in these movements also trap you into that box. Right. And I am a writer and that's, you know, I'm a thinker, you know, like I want to learn, I want to know, and I want the freedom to change my mind about things. Um, I want the the freedom to explore new ideas and I want the freedom to talk to, you know, I also do do podcasts and I want to be able to, I, part of the reason I do it is because it's interesting. Like it's a great way to learn. I'm sure yeah. you know that, right? Like, yeah, sure. I've learned so much just from the opportunity to talk to so many different kinds of people and ask them questions about things oh, that, yeah. that I don't know about. It's an amazing resource. It's I mean, amazing. Running a podcast and being able to have conversations with people. It's changed who I am. I mean, if you go back yeah. uh, 12 years ago to when I started the podcast, what I know and the way I talk and the way I think about things, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that that played like a large role in my changing my mind about all sorts of things. Right. Because you're exposed to new ideas and different perspectives and people who come from different backgrounds. And I mean... I I just feel like so many people on the left and so many people in feminism are siloed. Um, and that is probably true about the right to a certain extent. It's just that I'm much less familiar with the right because I've never been involved with the right before. Right. But I feel like on the left and in feminism, they're around people who only agree with them, who only see things their way, and they refuse to speak to anybody. Yes. Who doesn't see things their way, which, you know, exacerba exacerbates the problem. Um, and I didn't want that. I felt intellectually bored also. Like I was like, OK, I feel like I'm just repeating myself now. So I'm not even thinking critically about what I'm saying. I already know the analysis. I already know the mantra. I know what my response is supposed to be. I know what words I'm supposed to plug in. Right. You know, patriarchy, capitalism. Yeah. Intersectionality. I'll know I never got fully into that nonsense <laughs> <laughs> but you know and I and I, I really like I was I really have been treated very badly by the left and by feminists and when you say that though don't you think it's just specific people that are attached to an ideology it's not like people that are left-wing people have treated you badly it's very specific kind of people that decide that you are venturing away from the ideological boundaries. It's partly that, but I think that is connected to left-wing politics and left-wing yeah. ideology. At least now, maybe that wasn't true in the 70s. But left-wing thoughts, right? This is the thing that I have a problem with, uh, with all this stuff. It's like, I'm very open-minded and very liberal when it comes to gay rights, women's rights, civil rights, all... You know, e even things that I'm I'm still on the fence about now, like universal basic income. Boy, I was I was all in until the pandemic, and then watching the way people behaved when they got a hold of uh, a lot of unemployment and the the money from the government, the COVID relief money, and they didn't want to work anymore. Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, you know. I mean, I I know it's not a lot of people. You know, it's not like all the people react in this exact same way. But I have friends that own businesses, and they can't get people to they couldn't get people to work for them. Like I have a friend who uh, owns a restaurant and he couldn't get a bartender. Like the bartender would only work for $20 an hour, or excuse me, uh, for 20 hours a week so that he could get unemployment. And he was like, what the fuck, man? Like, Yeah, I mean, but I, I think that's partly, um, I mean, I, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? It's like, 
But I think it's that's partly like baked into left wing ideology nowadays because there's this like opposition to um you know independence there's an opposition to trying to better yourself as an individual person there's an opposition to individualism because you're supposed to blame the system yeah you're supposed to blame capitalism racism patriarchy you know and then all the myriad of phobias transphobia fat phobia and so the solution is not to change you. It's not your fault. It's their fault because wow. they're phobic or the system's trying to keep you down. So I think that like not wanting to work anymore is like, well, like, why should I? I don't have to. Like, well, they don't the realize that it's like it's good for your mental health to work. Like you're not yeah. supposed it's not good for your mental health to sit around in your apartment on Netflix or on Zoom or on social media or on dating apps or l looking at porn all day. Well, the thing is, it's like. It's not good to not be self-sustaining, is my thought. I think there's an issue. I, I think for many people, you get unemployment and you use that unemployment to try to find another job and to sustain yourself, and it's great. But for some people, there is a general human tendency to, uh, when you're offered a break, to take that break. You know, when you're offered money to do nothing, to do nothing, and you'll do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I think... My thoughts about universal basic income were, and this is what I liked about it, I liked the idea of giving a person an opportunity where, like, we pay for so many things. We just sent $40 billion to Ukraine, right? Why can't we figure out a way to give people enough money to sustain themselves so that they could actually pursue their interests and do what they want to do? And I think that would make for a stronger world, a stronger economy, a stronger community of people, and happier, healthier people. That was my thought. But then when I saw how people reacted with the, the government money from COVID relief and from, from um, unemployment, I was thinking, man, I don't know. There's a lot of people that aren't going to react the right way. And th what they're going to do is they're going to take an easy way out and they're going to lay around. And that sucks. Like if you give people an opportunity to be lazy, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be lazy. And th the, the problem is if you oppose that, if you oppose that relief, then people say you're cruel and you know, you're know you not looking out for the working people. And it's like, that's not, first of all, that I, I hate those fucking categories like working people. God damn it, everybody's working. Shut the fuck up. It's not a working people issue. We're all working. Everyone's doing something, right? Or, or you're not. And if you're not, that that is the problem. The problem is when people don't wanna do anything because that is a general instinct that people have towards laziness. And the problem, I think, with whether it's universal basic income or any other social safety nets, which I very much support for the most part, is that some people, it's not everybody, but some people have a tendency to just be fucking lazy. Yes. And again, this is attached to, I think, leftist ideology, because I think what I've realized of late is that leftist ideology is about idealism. Like, it's like, we want to create this world and this is the way the world should be. But in reality, that world doesn't exist and people don't work like that. Right. Like what they want. And I, I'm saying this as somebody who believed these things. Like people, 
have, <laughs> when people get really mad at me, when people are mad at me all the time, um, nothing new. But, you know, people, when I start criticizing the left, people get angry at me. First of all, because people, I think, like to categorize people and box them in. And when they start moving outside of the box, they get angry and confused and frustrated. And so they'll just want to write you off or hate you or call me right wing or whatever. But, you know, I... I, I was a leftist and I thought like these people and I thought that it was right. And the reason that I was a leftist is because I care about people. It's yes. not because I'm an evil communist. Like right. the right is very bad at writing people off too. It's like right. all these communists. It's like these people don't even really know what communism is. They, I'm sure they've never read Marx for the most part. But, you know, I didn't want people to be poor. I didn't want people to not have housing and food and access to health care and education. I wanted things to be more equal and just. That's right. why I was a leftist. But the solution was an idea. You know, like if we create this kind of society, then we'll all live in happy communities and everybody will work and nobody will slack off and like there'll, there'll be no exploitation and like rape will disappear and oppression will disappear. And that's not what happens in the real world. That's not what's happened in places that have implemented communist regimes. No. So it and, you know, you can't it's I don't think that it's good to base a movement on idealism and ideas that are not rooted in material reality. Do you think, I mean, the, the argument is always that socialism has never been implemented correctly. Um, mm -hmm. This sort of utopian idea of what uh, a real, genuine, compassionate socialist community could look like that's never really been done correctly. But do you think it's a human nature issue? Do you think it's like, like the, the idea of socialism is great on a surface level, if you, you're thinking about people that work hard and that want everyone else to do well and they want to all contribute. Like, you, I think you could have a socialist community of very driven, disciplined people where they, they share. They share things. Like, we have some socialist things, right? Like, uh, the fire department is an excellent example of socialism because we pay in to this thing that supports these people who put out fires mm -hmm. and nobody complains about it. It's a normal thing. It's something that we contribute to. It's like a fund and that fund puts out fires and it puts out fires, you know, based on your tax dollars that you put into it. And you don't want a society where if you don't have money, they don't put the fire out. Right. Mm -hmm. But some people would argue that that's, that's where it ends. Like you shouldn't have that and extend that to, Education, you shouldn't have that and extend that to um, healthcare. But I think that's where socialism could work. I think, w w and I don't mean socialism like across the board, I mean socialist ideas. I think the idea of a universal healthcare system where everyone is covered and you never have to worry about anything like bankrupting you because you broke a leg or you, you hurt your back like that you're taken care of and that we all contribute to that and again if we can give 40 billion dollars to ukraine why the fuck can't we do that and I, we can do that that's totally possible the education system the idea that you have to be in debt i was reading this story the other day about this woman who's two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt uh from student loans and she took out a hundred and fifty thousand so over the course of the uh, interest that's accumulated, she's got $100,000 more in interest. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Dude. And you can't get rid of that. It's fucked. Uh, tell me about it. Like, I mean, I, 
I support public health care still. Like, I do think that it is imperative that people have access to health care. And yeah. I think the health care system in America is horrible because I think the aspect of it that's horrible is that people can go into insane amounts of debt because they got sick or hurt. Like, yes. that's not okay it's to not me. Okay. It's not okay. And the same is student loan debt. You're like, you're right. Like, you, you, you get an amount of debt that you can't afford to pay off with the job that you've gotten from going to university, and then they're charging you all this interest, so it makes it doubly impossible to pay it off, and it's like a trap. I mean, And you can't get out of it. No. Like you can't, you can't get, declare you can't bankruptcy go, yeah, which on is it crazy. anymore. You used to be able to. Yeah. You could sell some horrible medication that kills people, get sued for it, lose all your money, go bankrupt, and you're good. You, you they, It'll absolve you of your debts. But that's one of the rare forms of debt that you cannot escape, yeah. which is crazy because you're you're giving it to eighteen year olds. You have an eighteen year old doesn't have a fully like, sure, formed yeah, brain. Take, I want the money, but also like I couldn't afford to go to school full time. I could not. I was like you know for my whole life until I was able to you know make a living off of what I'm doing now which took a lot of work and me working for free for many many years I had like three jobs all through university like I was always working full-time and you're trying to complete a degree and they make that impossible too you can't complete a degree part-time at least I couldn't in Canada because I couldn't take classes and like I couldn't finish a degree only by taking night classes it's impossible so eventually you have to quit your job and you have to go into debt like people who are critical of students who rack up a ton of student loan debt and can't pay it off um, don't seem to understand they're like why don't you get a summer job and save money over the summer and I was like I don't live at my parents house like when I was 18 my parents moved to the states I have to pay rent. Like my parents aren't paying for my life for me. I like I don't have any money to save. Sometimes I don't have enough money to get on the bus and I have to walk to work. This is when I was like, you know, 19, 20. Like I was broke <laughs> most of yeah. my life. Like no, I wasn't poor. Like I don't want to be like, what was me? Like I always had a house and, you know, something to fall back on. Like I was never going to be homeless. It wasn't like I couldn't eat. But I, there was no saving money. Like, I did not have thousands of dollars to pay tuition. I had to take out student loan debt. I had no choice. Right. Do you think that there's a certain amount of struggle like that that is not just uh, good for you but necessary in order to, like, steal your discipline and create a person who can overcome adversity? Like, if, if everything is handed to you, this is the argument that the right will use, right? <clears throat> that um, if you make things too easy, if you give people free education, if you give people uh, free health care, that they're going to become soft and we need a resilient, tough country that works hard. And the way you get people to work hard is you force them to because that's the only way that people are going to do it. I think it's true in some ways. I mean, I, I think that struggle is imperative and important. I think that you need pain to experience and understand pleasure. Um, I think if there's just everything is easy for you, I think you get really depressed. Like you need to work hard and you know what it, you have to know what it means to like suffer and feel pain and to like be bad at things and to like get better at things. Yeah. Um, I know I don't need to tell you this, but <laughs> like I, I, I mean, what I experienced was useful to me 
in the long term, I think, because I understand, like, I understand real life. Mm -hmm. I understand why people go into debt. I understand how hard it is for people who are poor and working class to get out of that. Like, what a lot of people on the right don't understand is that class still is a real thing in North America. Um, it's not as overt or as visible or as extreme in, as it is in third world countries. Um, but it's still, it's still real. I mean, if you, if you are born poor and working class, it's not that it's impossible to get out of it. You can, and lots of people do, and that's incredible. But you're challenged in so many different ways, mentally and in terms of systemic barriers, you know, being able to get a degree, for example, um, and having the kind of credit that you need to take out loans to, you know, buy property, get a house, so on and so forth. But there's like a mental barrier that I experienced because I thought I'm working class. I'm always going to be working class. I don't understand money. I don't understand capitalism. I think this is partly to do with my politics. Also, I'll say that. Um, like, I don't know... I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to save money. I don't have like business sense. And I was, I limited myself in that way. Um, Cause I just thought, I was like, I'm never gonna be able to own property. Like right. I can't, I'm never gonna be able to afford to buy a house. So whatever, like, so I'm just gonna work at, you know, making $50,000 a year and pay my rent. And that's the end of that. <laughs> like, yeah. and I think that people who come from money see money as an option. They're, it's accessible to them. So I think that they might work harder to make more money and to, you know, invest and to save and to... Well, they also have examples of people who've done it so they can exactly. see it. They could see it happening. Mm -hmm. And they, they see a path, too. If you have an uncle that started a business and became successful, you go, exactly. oh, I see how to do it. I mean, and yeah. I, knew, I knew when I was a kid, I knew when I was a teenager, and this is still true now, that a lot of people who own houses and properties, that's because they had family money. Yeah. You know, their parents put their down payment down for them. So if you don't have that, I don't have that. So I was like, how am I like what? I'm going to save up thirty thousand dollars like for a down payment. Yeah. I, the, the, the term working class. One of the things that bugs me about it is it's like it it's it's one of those like things that gets used often as a cheap political ploy. Like we're here for the working class. Yeah. And then people you need to support the working class. There's this. That's what drives me nuts about it, because it's this weird sort of categorization of people, because it does classify people in almost an inescapable little tomb. You know, you're the working class. You're part of the working class. Like, mm -hmm. what, is, what, do you, what, if, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, are you talking about people that are struggling to pay their bills? Yeah, well, that's the majority of people. That's the majority of people. And oftentimes, what we consider not the working class People are such knuckleheads that if they make $400,000 a year, they spend three hundred ninety-nine, you know, and they become the working class. They have a lot of other stuff that you they have to pay for. You just called me a knucklehead. For. Is that you? I mean, I don't, I didn't make that much money, but I'm like, oh shit, there's money in my bank account. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, the, the thing about the idea of the working class is that people are struggling. You know, and uh, I, I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. And I do think that we need to protect, protect those people. That's why I'm in favor of universal basic health care, of, of universal health care. And that's why I'm in favor of social safety nets. That's why I'm in favor of, you know, community programs and making things more accessible to people. 
And definitely, I'm in favor of at least reducing the burden of the cost of education in a massive way. Maybe lift the barrier to entry to uh, education. Make it harder to get in in terms of like the, the output totally. that you have to put forth. Make it difficult to get in. But make it so that when you get in, once you're in there, you know, like, you know, there's going to be community colleges that you can go to. There's going to be places you can go to if you're not going to be able to make it to a university. But the idea that you should be $150,000 in debt and that it's $200,000 after years and years of, of interest accumulating is crazy. And you can't get out of it. That's crazy. That's a sick industry. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a sick industry. And it, and, and it captures so many fucking people. It really does. It's crippling. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I support all of those things too. So it um, makes you a lefty. So you're a lefty. <laughs> See what well, I'm saying? Well, I I mean, I well, think I, it's it's part of this again is that I don't want to categorize myself as anything, right? Because then you get stuck in these boxes, and it's like, well, you're a leftist, so you have to support Black Lives Matter. Right. You're a leftist, so you have to believe women. You're a leftist, so you have to, you know want to open the borders you want to abolish the police yeah blah 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 that's what i don't want and i don't and i don't want to be trapped in any category or ideology i support practical ways to help people so if these policies work to help people then i support them if there's different policies that are categorized as right wing that help people that are better that are more effective then i'll support those policies that's what i mean and And also, you know, what the left has become is totally different than what the left used to be. I don't believe that the left supports the working class or cares about the working class. I don't I think that the left is caught up in I think that the left consists of middle and upper upper class people who don't know any poor people, who don't know any marginalized people, who don't know working class people, who don't know, you know, they're they're advocating for people as these groups and categories that exist in their head. And I say this because I'm from Vancouver. I lived in Vancouver my entire life, and Vancouver is a very left-wing place. All of my friends were left-wing. I didn't have a single right-wing friend. I didn't know any right-wing people. I barely even knew, like, any religious people. I knew a whole bunch of people who were like me. Do you have right-wing friends now? Yeah, I think so. Um... Like I've I've met basically since I was kicked off Twitter, I you know that was like a blessing in disguise in some ways. It's, for people who don't know you, oh, yes. we should just like give just for people My who didn't listen to, to the other episode. I met Megan because I was outraged, um, and I brought it up in I brought up your case in the conversation with Jack Dorsey. I brought it up multiple times in the podcast. Because you were kicked off Twitter for life for saying a man can never be a woman, mm-hmm. which is madness. Yeah, it's cool. For, like men aren't women yeah. is what I said. Yeah, apparently men are allowed to say that. Matt Walsh is allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to say that. What do you mean? Like I, I like after I got kicked off of Twitter, I saw right wing men on Twitter saying the same things that I have said. Then they weren't kicked off of Twitter, and I really? think that's because were you in a conversation with a trans person when you said that? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know who was in the conversation. It was part of a thread, and it wasn't like I was saying to somebody, you're not a woman. Mm -hmm. It was in response to a tweet that was sort of confusing and me saying, but men aren't women, though. What was the, do you remember what the 
I don't remember what the context is. is to be honest. So you but were... But it was that. There was like three tweets. But also, like, they. I believe that Twitter was going after me specifically because I was speaking critically about gender identity ideology and because I was asking these kinds of questions that I... Like, I don't think that it was specifically because of these tweets. I think they took those tweets as an excuse. And, like, right. I think they were trying to get rid of me. And then they're like, uh, okay. That's hateful. And when That's you say hateful. they, it's probably just some moderator. It's probably someone who has a, a subjective opinion about what you say and whether or not you should say it. And that's a problem generally that a lot of people have with the censorship that's on social media, Twitter in particular. You know, um, one of the weird things that's happening now with uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter or attempting to buy Twitter, they've done something different. And one of the things they've done different is I gained... Now it's 900,000 followers in the month or so. What? Yes. I yes. mean, a lot of people really like you. So Thanks. maybe 900,000 more people were like, I, I think, decided I love I think Joe I was Rogan. in a box. I think I was Well, Megan Kelly said the same thing. Did you hear her say that? She said she gained a lot. She gained a ton. Like a, like 100,000. or I'm, I don't yeah. remember the number, but Something's a going lot. On. Like it was really noticeable. And so she was like, or was, she's like, I'm sh pretty sure Twitter was, you know, Shadow messing yeah. around with my account. Yeah, I think so. I think there's something, something was going on. I mean, I'm just guessing. The other option could be they're bots that I've gained 900,000 bots. But it's it's like every time I look, it's like another hundred thousand. It's crazy. It's it it grows faster than anything. And Instagram is the opposite. Instagram seems to have hit the brakes on me. Like somewhere, oh, yeah? somewhere around six months ago, something happened. And it seems like it's it's slowed down growth a lot. I don't check it too much, so I might be wrong. I might be, you know, I mean, maybe it's something they've done with their algorithm where they uh, prefer videos over photographs now, which I think they do. They are. They're trying to go more video, I believe. I read that. That's where the viral uh, effect really takes place. And I see with my kids with TikTok, you know, I have one daughter who's a heavy TikToker. Oh yeah, she's always doing dances. Never with her been on TikTok. I don't really understand well, how it you're works. You're not 14. That's <laughs> like, true. <laughs> but, but little girls, they, they get together and they do dances, and and they like to like memorize dances and sync it to music, and yeah. and then they're watching all these other people TikToking and doing other these other, and it's like TikTok just hits you with video after video after video, and they just get you hooked. You open that app up, and it's like you're already like, oh, movement, things are happening, and this is what they're trying to do, I believe, with Instagram. I think so, too. And I, I did. I've read that. I don't get it because I hate watching videos on Instagram and I hate watching videos on my phone in general. Like if I'm going to because I'm an old person, I guess. Like I'm like, if I want to watch a video, I want to look at a big screen. Like yeah. I'll watch stuff on my laptop, but I, I hate I don't like reading stuff. I don't like using my phone. I don't even like texting on my phone, to be honest. Like I text on my laptop. But I mean, I sort of think that Instagram messes with me a little bit too they refuse to verify my account i've tried like five times how many followers do you have Fourteen thousand. no sorry is that right what's the number that you think <laughs> you can go check who cares you can check. i don't want to pretend like i like don't give a shit because i do give a shit but not that big of a shit um is there a number that you have to reach before they're they'll verify you oh i went up to 14.3k today Whoa. 
from Congratulations. too. <laughs> Thank you. But I, I, I just felt like my, uh, my posts were getting less traction all of a sudden, and they were no different than what I'd been posting before. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Like that could just be coincidental. Mm -hmm. But I know some people have definitely been fucked with. And, you know, there, wasn't there a football player who complained a lot about it, Jamie, and then eventually he got let out of Instagram jail? Why does he need a – like, he's a football player. Like, what does he need an Instagram account <laughs> I need an Instagram account because it's how I make a living. Well, he does too. That's how you get sponsors. When you're a football player, you have to oh, get sponsorships. you have lots of followers. Yeah, okay, the more fine, followers. Fine, fine. I'm sorry, <laughs> football player. Like sports. Well, you think about it. I mean, if you have a large <laughs> following, like a Tom Brady, I mean, God, how many sponsors does he have? Oh, okay. You know, I mean, that's Duh. that's an amazing way to make <laughs> like, income. You don't need an Instagram account to throw a ball. <laughs> you need it for Gatorade and Nike and yeah, okay. all the car sponsors and all kinds of different things. When those guys have a, a large following, that's very valuable, right. which is really an interesting thing. It's like, what is social media for? I mean, are you using it for as a business or are you using it to be social? Are you just having fun and you know expressing yourself, or are you using it to maximize your brand, air quotes? I mean, I don't brand. I swear to God I don't. I'm obviously a very authentic person. I believe you. I, I just, I mean, I, I have to use social media for work because I work for myself. So it's the only way I can get what I produce out into the world. And it's the, that's how I make an income almost solely through individual donations. Like, so people who send me donations through my website or they sign up to my Patreon or they pay for a subscription on Substack, which I don't, I haven't put anything behind a paywall, so you can, people can just choose to pay or not. So I just appreciate it if people pay because that's how I make an income. But like, I don't have, I don't, there's no institution. There's it's no. It's kind of pure. It's very yeah, pure. And, but, I, but I also, I would not really, I don't think I would have a public Instagram account if I hadn't been, I didn't start a public Instagram account until I was cooked, kicked off of Twitter. Right. Like I have to do that. I don't love spending a bunch of time on social media. Do you, did you enjoy Twitter though when you yes. were on it? Yeah. I'm like I don't know why everybody complains about Twitter all the time because I really like Twitter. Have you tried to get back on? Because I know some people that were banned before they they try to get back on. They got back on. I I appealed twice since recently. Yeah. Yeah. So since Elon Musk announced that he was going to buy Twitter, we'll see if that actually goes through or not. Um, they just gave in to one of his demands. Oh, did they? Yeah, they just released. Uh, they well, see if you can find what the article says. But uh, essentially, um, he said unless they give him access to data, so he can find out how many of his accounts are fake. Right. Because his his take on it was like, if you were going to buy something and you were buying it under the assumption that it, okay, here it goes. Twitter set to turn bot data over to Musk. All right. So this says that. Twitter's board is reportedly set to pull it about face, offering Elon Musk internal data on hundreds of millions of tweets as advised for the billionaire to complete his acquisition of the social media company. Twitter's set to turn over information to Musk, capturing more than 500 million tweets. The device the post came from and other information about the account holders. The Washington Post reported Wednesday, citing an unnamed person familiar with the matter. Such a move would help respond to Musk's repeated demands for more information about the composition of Twitter's user base and the extent of its problem with bots. Musk has challenged Twitter's claims that just 5% of its accounts are bots, calling the way the company calculates fake accounts very suspicious in a May tweet. So um, 
I'm really uh, interested to see how this plays out because he is what he would describe as a free speech absolutist. And I think that that is something that people are reluctant to, uh, to agree is a, a good thing because they're worried about the negative aspects of free speech. You know, they're worried about assholes and, you know, and, and trolls and all that stuff. Toughen and, up, man. Toughen up. And I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah. I, I was calling myself a free speech absolutist for a while. And then I interviewed Michael Solana, who's um, with the Founders Fund. And he organized Hereticon, which was mm -hmm. a conference that I went to in Miami in January that was, like, amazing. It was basically, like, a wrong think conference. Was it good? It was amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. Do you smoke cigars? No. You want one? No. Okay. I'll choke. I want more Garcia right. though. Okay. I used to. I smoked cigarettes from the time I was thirteen until twenty-one. You got your Garcias right next to you. Well, I want to open a different one because I want you to try this one. Will oh, you try Jesus. some more? Or no. It's nasty. Dude, this one is good. I swear to God. Okay, listen. If you don't like this one, well, I already said I'd give up on you if you don't like this one. Look at how beautiful the label is. In any case. It's a nice bottle. Yeah, it's in the real label. pretty poison. Okay, well, I'm going to have more. Go ahead. I love the smell of cigars, and I've always wished that I could, but I don't know how to not inhale, so I choke. Like, because I treat it like a cigarette. You smoke cigarettes? Well, I quit when I was 21, so. Oh, and so I think, and I hate cigarettes now, but um, I quit when I was 21, which was good timing, because that was, like, around the same time when all the bars started not letting you smoke inside. I used to, like, go to the bar and... Drink beer and smoke cigarettes. The good old the days. Bar. I used to like comedy Can clubs. Can you to be imagine? Smoky. Ew. Now, yeah. In nasty. Mexico, like in Sayulita, where I live, you can smoke anywhere you want, and I take it because I love Sayulita and I love freedom of <laughs> Mexico, and I love that there's no rules. But when I leave the bar and I wake up the next, I wake up the next day coughing. My hair stinks. My yeah. clothes stink. Yeah. Like you're probably catching a buzz though. Even though you're Probably. Coughing. So many people smoke yeah. there. It's crazy. And coming from somewhere like Vancouver that's like a super healthy place, so nobody... See, it smells so good. Like, I really like it, but I can't do it. I get it. I get it. Um, and you're not going to peer pressure me into this. I'm not this. even trying. No, I'm joking. Notice. Notice I haven't tried. <laughs> <laughs> that I, was a joke. I know. Aren't you a comedian? Yeah. <laughs> I went along with it. Didn't you see? Yeah. I okay. went along with your joke. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you used to be able to smoke in Dallas. Like up until like fairly recently, because I remember the uh, Addison Improv, which is a club I I love. Uh, it's a suburb of Dallas. They had uh, smoking shows, and I want to say it was in the two thousands. I don't know when they stopped doing it. Interesting. Like okay, well actually no, because so I sorry I should speak into the microphone. Um, <laughs> I know about this. I know That's how mics work. Yeah. Well, I've had like the last <laughs> podcast that I did with you, I saw online a ton of people being like, Megan got drunk. And I'm like, dude, I had two drinks. Do you know how many drink? Do you know how much Ricea I drink? Like if I go out to like party, like I'm like, I'm going out. I drink like, I don't know, like 11 or 12 shots, like shots of Ricea. Like two drinks. I'm, you drink 11 or 12 dude, shots of Ricea? Dude, I can drink so much Ricea. It's crazy. I don't even know how. This is like once a week. This is not, oh, I mean, maybe that God. sounds like, I'm like, it's not every day. Like 12 shots. And I go through it really, like it's, I go through it real fast. Sometimes I have to switch to whiskey so that I slow down because I can't That's drink hilarious. whiskey as fast as I can drink Rysia. But um, that doesn't make any sense either. No, You're it doesn't make, not, and none of it makes sense to me. 
<laughs> but so they, so I think in Vancouver, so when I was 21, that would have been like 2001. And that was around the same time, I think. I'm really bad at math. Um, like they were, they were cutting out smoking in bars probably around 99, 2000, mm-hmm. around that time. Right. And before that, you like there were still restaurants and cafes with smoking sections, which was no different from the other section. And uh, yeah, you could go to bars and clubs and smoke. I would I always come home with like cigarette burns on my fingers and holes in my mesh tank tops. And I remember that in restaurants, cigarette sections, smoking sections of restaurants. And it's just not that chair, but that chair. Yeah, and not ventilation that's set up to like really filter things out very oh, well cool. either. Like Vegas is set up pretty well. Vegas, you can still smoke indoors, can't you? This is real smooth. Yeah, James Joe. says yes. I really think you should try the fuck it out whenever you're your ready. <laughs> this is real smooth. She it says. is. She's such a crackhead. Please believe me. <laughs> it is like this. I was like, yeah. Oh my god, Megan, it's not smooth. It's nasty. This one is not smooth. That one is. <sighs> well, you sh- you fucked up. She started me off with a good one. There's still time. <laughs> 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 we'll uh, get there. I'm a, I'm a proponent of, you know, y- you having the ability to do whatever you want. The problem is like the people that work there. If you're if you're smoking and like that there's so many cases of uh people that are waiters or waitresses in a bar and they they get cancer from lungs yeah. and they don't smoke. It's it, horrible. Yeah. I can't imagine having to work in those bars and clubs or work on airplanes when everybody's smoking on the airplane. Yeah, that's the craziest thing. You're in yeah. a fucking that I'm, I'm tube in the not sky. old enough for that, and that but was that's like, strange. What year did that stop? I want to say that stopped in the 90s, right? Really? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of I when I was first on a plane. I don't know. I think Dice Clay used to have a bit Maybe about earlier it. than that. Probably, so, I mean, so they were still doing it in the 80s, you think? It had to be late 80s, because I think Dice had a bit about it in like 89 or 90. Hmm. You're in a fucking tube! Yeah, he had this whole bit about uh, like a section. He's like, "What? The, we're breathing the same fucking air." Yeah, I mean, I really, I don't. Yeah, I don't like it, and I think that it is unfair to impose that on employees who like have to be there. Yeah, it's it's that's the problem. The problem is the people that work. It's a workplace environment safety issue. But you know, if you have a, a social club that doesn't have employees, you know, like there's there's places that set up. Uh, they set up places as social clubs. So that they can get around certain rules. Okay, because it's like a private space. Like uh, cigar bars. Mm, Cigar bars mm -hmm, have that kind mm -hmm. of setup, you know. Or like hookah lounges. Is that similar? I've never. Interesting. I've never tried a A hookah. I'm like, it's good. It's good. What's the point? I don't get it. You get a head rush. Wild tobacco head rush. Like a head rush, like Like, nausea. That's what, if I try to smoke a cigarette now, because I every once in a while, in general, I find it gross, but every once in a while, I'll be like, there'll be a cigarette smell that appeals to me for some reason. It probably smells like my, like, Du Maurier ultralight king size that I used to smoke when I was 17. And I'm like, I want to try a cigarette. And then I'm like, oh, that was fucking disgusting. And really? now my mouth tastes like an ashtray. And it makes me feel ill. Like, I was lucky about quitting smoking because when I started smoking less the cigarette started making me feel sick mm. so if i would have a cigarette i would feel sick like I, it was not hard i wasn't like oh lord i love smoking cigarettes so much i think i just smoked cigarettes because i was like a teenager and i was Trying nervous cool. and wanted to fit in right. yeah right yeah 
It's um, it's interesting that you could down eleven shots of Ricea, <laughs> and that doesn't make you feel ill. And a cigarette will make you feel ill. I sip the shots. I'm not like doing. Yeah, but you're fucking eleven of them. They have to get down eventually. I'm a very <laughs> you're robust. Strong... <laughs> <laughs> I come from robust Irish stock. Like that's what it is. It's the Irish stock. Totally. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, it's a really great skill. I appreciate it. I would be so sad if I had like two shots of rice and was like, "Woo, gotta go to bed." Well, it's weird how it is uh, genetic, and that some um, some people of, of certain ancestry they don't have a historical, you know, there's not like a lot of uh, history of their ancestors drinking alcohol, and they have they struggle with it. Whereas Irish people generally, well, they, you know, but there are a lot of Irish alcoholics, but they they can put it down better. For whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, you also have to know how to drink. Like, I I don't do shots. Like, I wouldn't go to the bar and do a tequila shot because I don't want to get wasted and black out. Like, I want to keep going until 5 a.m. So you got to... <laughs> what is the appeal of drinking to you? Like, what is the, that thing? This is an interesting question, and I've thought about this a lot. And I'm yeah? not sure. I have. I think about it all the time. Because, like, because I don't love drugs. Um, do you like pot? No. Not at all? Nope. I don't like it. I tried for many years to smoke weed, and I, it's not for me. It makes me... I don't I don't like the feeling of being high. Um, I, I'm i sorry. I know that's a you strange thing to We've had this conversation say. three times today. You don't have to like what I like. <laughs> 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 like, this is the kind of podcast where you come on and you agree with everything I say... <laughs> Or you're out, and you're never coming back. What is it about? Is it the paranoia? I, yeah, I feel paranoid. Mm. I can't socialize. Like, I get super self-conscious. So if I smoke weed, I have to, like, stay home and lie on the couch and watch TV and eat candy, and that's not what I want to do in my life. Like, mm. I want to be out and socializing, or I want to be productive. I want to be able to work, and I can't do any of those things. Like, I... So, and I don't like the not knowing when it's going to end. Like, I also... I don't like mushrooms, because I'm like, okay, this was fun for five minutes, and now... I feel weird, and I don't have any control over this. Like, I think uh, I want to be in control. A control thing, yeah. Um, like, I, I also, like, I don't like, uh, like, MDMA, because it's just, and, like, uh, now I feel, like, I feel, it makes me, it doesn't do what it does to a lot of other people. Like, it makes me feel antisocial, and, like, I want to go, like, sit in a corner mm. and then wait for it to be done. I think I like drinking because it's it's social, Mm. Like I like going out with my friends and like, you know, laughing and being stupid and talking about stupid things and doing karaoke and like getting loose and wild and yeah. And I work I work a lot. Like I think people think I'm on vacation all the time because I moved to a vacation town and probably I post a lot of vacationy looking photos. But I work, you know, five or six days a week like I work until 2 a.m. like if I'm working I wake up at noon mind you but I <laughs> <laughs> it's not that the bad the grind <laughs> continues <laughs> as the alarm goes off and people are eating lunch <laughs> <laughs> it's almost dark <laughs> is this because you're up late writing yeah like I work yeah. until 2 a.m. and then you're wired because you've been working so then you, I like watch I do my best show. writing at night yeah I write at 10 p.m. yeah um and 
And then, yeah, and then I'll, like, try to unwind, so I'll, like, watch a show. So I end up getting to bed at, like, 3, 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. if I'm working. Which makes sense. You wake up at noon. Yeah, like, and yeah. I need eight or nine hours of sleep. I honestly do. Like, if I get less than that, I feel like, shit, my brain doesn't work. My job yeah. is brain-related. Like, I have yeah. to be able to function. I eat badly. Like, I don't want to work out. Like, if I'm tired, my day is fucked. Yeah. Um, Most people eat badly if they don't get sleep. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, it's like you crave junk food. food. Like, you yeah. ch- crave sugar and, like, white bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's bad all there's around. There's some sort of a reason for that. They, they've, there's, uh, they've isolated some reason for why people make poor decisions with food when they're tired. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there is because I've, it's always been like that for me. Oh, like I remember, like, like when I had an office job, you know, and I had to be at work at eight in the morning or whatever, I would spend the whole day drinking like sugar coffees and then mm-hmm. I'd want like a cookie yeah. and I'd buy like some pastry thing at the cafe. Like it's, yeah, I mean, I guess it's your body trying to keep you up. Like, and I don't really eat that stuff very often now. Kind of kills your judgment too. There's something about it. It's like it kills your ability to form, make good decisions. Yeah, I feel like I feel like office life is like so unhealthy. I think it works for some people. For me, it was like it made me super depressed. I felt tired all the time. I ate badly, and like I would get to Friday and be so done that I'd be like, "Go party!" And then you party all weekend, and you get to Sunday night, and you're depressed, and you have to go back to work again. Well, here's the thing that people are pushing back against a lot is um, the idea of uh, doing remote office work. Like um, there's a lot of people that feel like they're more productive at home. And then there's a lot of other people who feel like their employees need to be in the office because that's the only way they can keep track of their, you know, whether or not they're being effective or whether or not they're, they're actually working. One of the things we found out during the pandemic is how many guys jerk off while they're on Zoom calls. How many Why are men so stupid? Honestly, sorry. They're addicted. That's like a, they're addicted to jerking off. Yeah, they're addicted Is to Is it porn. that they're looking at, oh, they're looking at porn. Yeah. <sighs> Gross. Yeah, and, I think it's, uh, they're also, they're, when. Like, you, I'm like, why are you getting horny on a Zoom call? Yeah, it's not even horny. It's a, it's an, it's like addict behavior. That's what that is. Mm. Like if you're like if you're a disciplined person and you're working, you should be working, right? You're yeah. working. You're on a Zoom call, but I think that whatever work is so fucking boring, or so, they're not really connected to it. So like, I'm just gonna mute my camera over here and whack one off real quick, and maybe they think it's exciting to be able to jerk like off while other people are talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like secret and the yeah. bad and the shame, and it's all wrapped up in that. Yeah, there's something to that, but I mean, like a lot of people got busted, and they keep doing it. I mean, guys watch porn at the library, like at the public library and like on the plane, which if I weren't, you know, a libertarian now, I'm sort of joking, I don't identify as libertarian, I would say that should be illegal. Like, it's like you can't watch porn in public. Have you seen people watch porn on a plane? Really? No, but I've seen other people see other people watch. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it on the internet, okay? (laughs) A friend of mine uh, opened his laptop. I would be so upset if I saw a man watching porn on the, like, I would... I don't know what I would do. Is it? It's not legal, right? What are the laws at thirty thousand feet? Does that count? I like, assumed it was legal. What are the laws up there in like, the sky? Can you? you know, like, we have it's not. Laws? I don't know if it's illegal to watch porn at the library because men do it. It's. I, I don't think that's legal. They might kick them out because yeah. they like be like you're gross, Obscenity or if they tried laws. to like 
whip out their mm-hmm. genitals. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're gender-neutral genitals. But you know how there's, like, different laws if you're out in the middle of the ocean? Okay. Is there different laws in space? <laughs> I don't know the answer to this question. Right? Like, but... I wonder if the laws are exactly the same when you're at 30,000 feet. That's a good question, because where are you still in? Right. Like, are you in America? in America, or are you in the ocean? Like, if you're over the ocean? Right. What is that? What maybe it's up to the business. Like maybe it's according right. to like American Airlines gets to decide whether or not you're allowed to watch porn on the plane. Oh, here it is. Although some systems of national law still adhere to the view that ships and aircraft are part of the territory of the state, the nationality of which they possess, this is merely a crude metaphor. In international law, a distinction has been made between three types of state jurisdiction, territorial jurisdiction over national territory and all persons and things therein, quasi-territorial jurisdiction over national ships and aircraft and all persons and things thereon, and personal jurisdiction over all other nationals and all persons under a state's protection as well as their property. In case of conflict, territorial jurisdiction overrides quasi-territorial jurisdiction and personal jurisdiction, while quasi-territorial jurisdiction overrides personal jurisdiction. Okay, so there's like tiers. Okay. Territorial jurisdiction over national territory. So, but that does mean that in cases of conflict, that territorial jurisdiction overrides it. So that means that if you are over the United States of America, that is territorial jurisdiction because it's territorial. So like when you're in the ocean, that makes sense. That's nobody's, which is really kind of interesting, right? It's like we, we allow people to own everything, but you can't own the ocean. Yeah. I mean, technically, technically you're not allowed to own a beach in Canada anyway. Is that true in the U.S. too? It is, right? Is it? But well, be, but you can still you can buy up all the property close to the beach and then like build like a fence so that people can't get through. But you can't like I, my parents live on a small golf island and I went to and you know like you in BC and on these islands you can go to beaches and there's nobody else there. It's awesome and it's like super beautiful. Forests are beautiful. Mountains are beautiful. Blah blah blah. But I went to this one beach and there's a path down to the beach. And it says no trespassing private property, but it's like, well, it's a beach. I'm going to go to the beach. And so we're down at the beach and the chick who owns the property comes down and is like, you know, like you're not allowed. Like you're basically you're allowed to come to the beach via a boat, but you're not allowed to walk down her path to the beach. So she's essentially created a private beach. She's like, how did you get here? Like you guys aren't allowed to walk through this place. And we're like, oh, no, we're just going to swim back. (laughs) Yeah. It's but, weird. People don't own the beach, but you do own everything above high tide. You can own above high tide. That's how it is in Malibu. So I have a friend who has a place in Malibu, and uh, he was telling me that his sons were surfing, and they were in this area, and this guy didn't know that they were his sons. So the guy comes out and starts screaming and yelling at them. They get the fuck off the beach. And, you know, he got mad at the guy, and then, you know, there's this conflict, and the guy realized, oh, you live here. Okay, these are your sons. But you're not allowed to yell at people to surf. Like, if because they were laughing and surfing in front of this guy's house. So he thought, because he spent $10 million on this house, he should be able to tell people, you can't surf in front of my house. But there's been cases in Malibu where they hire private security. 
So the, you know what? Uh, I think it's called Billionaires Beach, like Carbon Beach. So these people that have all this money buy these houses, and then they hire private security to kick people off the beach. But they can't. You're not allowed to. So then there's lawsuits where people sue the people who kick them off the beach. And I don't know how they resolve that. But I know it's ongoing, and technically the people that are the beachgoers are correct. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you can't keep people off the beach. It's everybody's. Yeah, it's just it's just the getting there part that is technically illegal. But of course, these people do feel entitled, and they're like, "This is my private beach. Like, what are you doing on my private beach?" Listen, if you want to buy a fucking place, and you want to buy a place that's on the water, that is what comes with the territory. Yeah, people it's the can ocean. camp out right like, in front of your people fucking house. People can do whatever yeah. they want with yeah. the ocean. Like, you don't get to own that. The problem is if like. You know, if you have a bedroom and you like to keep your windows open so you could hear the waves crash and then you have people right below you and they're fucking partying, playing shitty music and Too bad, bro, that's what you get for being rich. Wow. <laughs> I'm joking. I hope, you don't get I hope to be rich someday. What is this, Jamie? Yeah, I just picked the, that beach, beach. Is that carbon beach? Yeah. See, that's beautiful, but I think so I think where the people aren't allowed to go is wherever high tide is. So I think high tide is like right up to there. Hmm. So when that area, like walking on the beach, anybody can go there. They can go there, they can play, they can fuck around. But I think above that, it's supposed to be theirs, the person who's in front of the beach, which is like still kind of fucked. This is so strange looking to me because I've I've not seen, like this isn't a thing in BC where the houses on the beach are just stacked up like townhouses. Oh, they're right next to each other. If you have a place on the beach like on the island you're it's going to be like in the forest and like you have acreage and well malibu is a weird spot like that because there's so much money there's and these people are so rich and they're stuffed right next to each other it's real weird it seems unpleasant to me i rented a house there once um uh because uh, my kitchen was getting redone and it wasn't bad because you don't notice that people are there because it's so loud you hear it's whoosh whoosh you hear the the water crashing against the the rocks and everything all day long and it really is beautiful. Like in the morning, I would eat breakfast. We were only there for a couple of months, but I would eat breakfast in the morning. And the way we were at, we were at on this place that had like a deck and the water was almost under the deck. So when you sit there eating breakfast, it's like you're on the water. I was like, mm. oh, this is nice. That does sound nice. It's nice. Like this is it's terrible. Nice. Oh, it's so <laughs> nice. I would never want this. To be able to, that, but that to me is, it's a very specific thing. Like the kind of, like what I like. I like to be like almost in the water. Mm-hmm. Almost in the water is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's because I got to look out. I was seeing like dolphins. And I was watching like seagulls swim around and shit and fly overhead. I'm like, this is nice. Being near the ocean is the best. I mean, I where did you grow up? Well, I grew up all over the place. I was born in New Jersey, but I only lived there till I was seven. I lived in San Francisco from seven to eleven. Mm. And then I lived in Florida from 11 to 13. And then I lived in Boston for the rest of the time. Like, I was born in Vancouver and grew up in Vancouver. So I was always near the beach. We did a lot of camping. I always swam. Like, I would bike to Kitts Pool every day all summer, which is right on the ocean. And now, like, the, I would, the idea of I live in a beach town now, I would never live somewhere or I think I would feel almost like depressed living somewhere where there was no ocean or I would feel trapped like I, I it's almost like a claustrophobic feeling like and lakes don't cut it it can't just be a body of water it has to be the ocean that I can see and access that's what you like and I don't even go in the ocean why 
Well, in Sayulina, <laughs> I mean, I, I did in Vancouver. Like, I have been in the ocean, but it's not like in Sayulina. Like, I don't go to the beach in Sayulina. No? Partly because I'm inside my house until it gets dark. Um, but, <laughs> like, I don't want to... I'm not like a lie-out-in-the-sun kind of person. I'm pale. Yeah. I have a spray tan right now, so that's why I'm looking so... <laughs> <laughs> I probably look tan, almost like a normal human being. You're many degrees lighter than me, even with your spray tan. I know. That's part of the joke. But I'm not going to go loud in the yeah. sun because I'm just yeah. going to get like Cooked. skin damage and sweat. And I can't, like, I work in the day. Like I was, I was saying before, like, I, I work a lot. Like, if I wake up, I'm working until 2 a.m. Right. Every day, except for Thursdays because that's karaoke night. Um, but and the, <laughs> the I need to go see you do karaoke. <laughs> I'm not very good, but I really like it. I think that's part of the fun of karaoke is <laughs> yeah. sucking at it. But, I mean, it's not fun if everybody's good. Right. You're supposed to be bad and like you yell. It's like, kind of sad when they are good. Well, yeah, it's sad if people take it seriously. Is what's yeah. sad. It's sad if they take it seriously. Like if you're good, but you just happen to be good and you're still kind of joking around, you're not taking yourself seriously. Fine. But if you take it really seriously, I think that's embarrassing it's like and an depressing. Un untapped potential thing. You're like, this is my skill in life. Yeah. Like, well, nobody, everybody else here is just here to have fun and like scream into the microphone with their friends. I mean, it doesn't have to be sad. L let me expand on that. It's just sad if that's your moment. It's it, you know what's sad? Unrealized dreams. That's what's sad. If you really wanted to be a musician, mm -hmm. and karaoke is the place where you get to flex your muscles, like, but then you go back to the factory in the morning, that's sad. Yeah, or you wanted to be a pop star, yeah. like you wanted mm -hmm. to be famous. Yeah, and it's sad because you're behaving as though you think that you're more talented than you actually are and i'm not sure if deep down inside you believe it but you kind of project that like you're like i take this really seriously because i'm very good at it and i'm very talented and i can't make a joke about this because that would like hurt my know. ego i don't even know if it's a talent thing with music i know so many talented people now living in austin um austin is an amazing place to go see live music it's really fucking cool there's so much live music here but what's stunning is you go to these bars and there's like 15 people in and you see this person on stage and they're fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, <sighs> but isn't it's the same thing with comedy. Like there's so many amazing comedians who like never really made it. Right. Sort of comedy today is more accessible. Like comedians make it now more than ever before. Talented people, which is great. They, they, they get on YouTube. And they put a, a like a video up on YouTube, like their own personal thing, and they'll get hundreds of thousands of views, millions of views. And do you and, make money off of that? Well, it's not just that. It's it's an advertisement for people to come see you in the clubs. That's really what it is. Like all comedy specials are just to let you, let everybody know, hey, this guy's good. Mm. You know, hey, mm -hmm. look, she's doing it. This is it. You can watch her do this video, and then see her when she's at the the local club or the local theater. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And that's more accessible now than ever before because the barrier for entry is not as, as steep in, in that you don't need cooperation. Like a musician needs a band, you know, unless you're acoustic and you just have a guitar, which is that's a hard grind, too. Right. Yeah. But if you are a comedian, you just need a comedy club. And there's so many comedy clubs and everybody's working. You know, it's a lot. There's a lot of working comedians now. Like, but what does it mean to make it as a comedian? Like, what would make, would just, is that your full-time job? Yeah, full-time job to be able to sell out a club. 
Okay. Yeah, that's like a like when we think of like com- okay. like I, I had this conversation with these guys that uh, opened for me the other day. Uh, I was telling them, I'm like, you were already, you've gone over the hump. The hardest part is being funny. I go, then it's all about continuing to work and continuing to write and continuing to get better and continuing to write new material. And then getting aligned with a group of other comedians that can help. Because that's a big thing in comedy is people take you on the road with you. Like I take these guys Mm. on the road with me and I introduce them to the world. Like if people come to see me, you're going to come to see me, but you're also going to get to see Tony Hinchcliffe. You're also going to get to see Hans Kim. You're going to get to see Joey Diaz. And through that, you know, these guys have developed careers. So now they can go on the road. You know, like Tony sells out like big ass comedy clubs and theaters and he kills it when he goes on the road. And it's because... He did all the right things, and you know he's a perfect example. Like Tony self-produced his own special and then sold it to Netflix. He paid for it, did the whole thing. Didn't that happen to Chris? Um, Stefano? Yeah, I really like him. Yeah, he's great. Like yeah, he, he just, just did his own, mm-hmm. and then Netflix bought it. And Netflix bought it. Ari Shafir did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He made his own special. Netflix bought it, and a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's it's easier. I don't think it's easier to be a great comedian. But no, it's that easier, would be so hard. It's easier God. to, if you are a great comedian, it's easier to make a living. I know I have friends that are great musicians that are fucking just, just above poverty. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's lots of people who are great musicians and they just, they have to keep their day job and they do it in their free time it's for all, fun, essentially. Awesome. You have to bring people with you. You have to have like musicians have to have fucking sound guys. You have to have a drummer and the guitar player and people that carry your stuff, roadies and the trucks for all your shit. And yeah, but I think I mean with musicians and music, it's like being good. Like people aren't gonna like your music just because you're good. Like just because you're really talented, just because you're a really good musician, people aren't necessarily gonna want to listen to it. And that's evidenced by the fact that so many p- people listen to like garbage crap music. Right, but isn't that just human taste? Like people, like uh, or no taste. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, I used to think that way. I used to think that people didn't who didn't like what I like, uh, or were idiots, <laughs> and people who liked things that I hated were morons. Oh, did you grow out of that? Yeah, I grew out of that. Okay, we'll see how I do. <laughs> I just, I have, as I've gotten older, I've looked for less conflict in life at every given opportunity. I just try to find less conflict. And one of the best ways is to not care what other people like. Like as long as they like, like I'm not into mumble rap, but I have friends who love mumble rap. They like to smoke weed and listen to mumble rap. I'm like, okay. I used to be like, what the fuck are you listening to? I don't understand a word this guy's saying. But now I'm like, okay. Okay. I understand that some people like different things than me. Yeah. Um... But I think when it comes to music, like there's some people who I think genuinely just aren't really into music, which offends me because I'm really into music and I love music. And people who sort of, I feel like there's some people who just turn it on and it's noise and they're like, this is the popular thing. I'm just going to listen to it. That's what I mean by no taste. It's not like um, people who are like, I don't have anything against country. It's not what I listen to in my spare time, but I totally understand and respect why people like country music and there's some that i like no i there's some that i like but like sturgill simpson i don't know who that is say yes you know what dude i was (laughs) i was watching your (laughs) podcast the other day and you didn't know who wilco was 
I didn't. That's weird. Why is it weird? Like I know. Wilco. I know who it is now. Wilco's been around for a long time. Well, They're Bert really had well to tell me band. how. What a great story, though. How yeah, Bert beautiful. Was listening that, to that was a beautiful listening story. Listening to that music on headphones, riding a bike next to wild horses, and crying because he was so happy because it was such an amazing moment because the song was playing. I think he was buzzed too. He's always drunk. He's probably drunk. <laughs> it seems I can just that assume. Way. <laughs> I'm worried about him. Are he, you really? His face looks like a cherry. He, I was watching. Uh, Is he listening right now? I hope so. <laughs> I was watching Two Bears One Cave the other day, and uh, Bert was on with Tom, and Tom looks like a fucking athlete. He's like lost all this weight. He's mm. fit. He works out twice a day now, and Bert has assumed all of Tom's bad habits. And, and ramped his up as well. Why do you think that is? I mean, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to talk specifically about him, but like, about why Bert? do you people, like people who sort of, who fall into alcoholism or not taking care of themselves, and maybe they did at some point and then they just stopped. Cause I, and I say that, like I'm thinking of people that I know in my head, I'm not, I don't know Bert, so I'm not talking about him, but like people who are, it's like, you were sort of okay and now you're like, a daily, like you get drunk every day. I don't know. I, well, Bert likes to party. Well, I love I to party, that. and that's never like. And it's I, I, I genuinely like I, but I do. I love like I love drinking. I love to party, but I'm super organized about it. Like I'm super red. Like I'm like, I work all these days, and then I can go out Thursday night, and I kind of try to like fuck off a bit on the weekends, just because otherwise I'd work all the time. So I try to like not check my emails and not go on social media and stuff like that. But I still do. I often will end up working sometimes on like Sunday night or Friday night or something like that. But like I don't want to be drunk every day. I love drinking. I love to party, but I do not want to be drunk or fucked up every day. Well, Bert works a lot. The thing about Bert is you can't say partying is fucking up his career because mm -hmm. it's d done the opposite. Like partying has united him with other partiers who come to see him. But doesn't he feel like shit when he wakes up in the morning? I would imagine he doesn't feel good, but he does a lot of IVs. He does a lot of like vitamin IVs. And, okay. You know, apparently he told me we were hanging out the other day. He got his liver done. He got his, uh, his blood work done. His liver's okay. Okay, like, okay, good. That's great to hear. I'm, wor I'm worried about him. I, I'm genuinely worried about him because he's almost 50 and he goes hard and, you know, he's very overweight. And he decided that when his tour was over, he was going to slow way down and uh, he's going to get in shape. So he's, he documented it on Instagram. He documented the size of his gut, size of his chest, size like his weight. He put all that stuff down and he's going to show measured improvement because I think he's off at the end of this month. He's off for three months. So for three whole months, he's just going to exercise and try to eat right. And I feel like it would be really hard to stay in shape and eat healthy if you were on the road all the time. You can probably speak to this. But like even when I used to before COVID, I was traveling probably once a month for work, like to go to a talk or something. And it ends up being a week. And then like I can't if I'm traveling for work, I do, I'm not working out. I'm not exercising. I'm eating on the plane. I'm buying a sandwich at Starbucks. Like yeah. I can't. Like I have to be home to maintain like a healthy lifestyle, healthy for me. But right. you know, like I go, I work out four days a week with a trainer, and I work really hard. Not because, not out of self motivation. I'm not self motivated at all. That's why I have a trainer. My trainer is excellent. His name is Chris at Kilombo and Sayulita. He is. He's so awesome. I was telling you about him earlier. Like yeah. he's. Not only, I mean, he was a really good boxer. He trained with Canelo. Um, he's like a really good at jujitsu. He competes, 
but he's also a, like he's really into training like he loves it he loves teaching people things like he loves to like see people improve and he if i don't like i go to training because he'll be disappointed if i don't show up like and and he pushes me really hard harder than i would ever push myself um if i was partying i wouldn't go like that's the other thing is if i if i'm out getting wasted I'm not going to be able to get any work done the next day, and I'm not going to exercise, and I'm going to eat bad. Like, it really fucks so up your life. how are you doing life. 11 shots? I take Fridays off. <laughs> I have a, it's because I have a plan. So Thursday night, I'm being serious. Thursday okay. night is karaoke night. It's my favorite night of the week. It's, like, run by my friend Zach. You do it every Thursday? Every single Thursday. And that bar is across the street from my house. I can't not go. I'd be sitting inside my house listening and be like, oh, there's my friend singing Pearl Jam. Like, uh, it, like... So I may as well just go, but I also love it. But that one day a week, the bar stays open until 5 a.m. instead of 2 a.m. for karaoke night. So I am up until 5, 6 a.m. every single Thursday. So Fridays, I don't work out. I don't plan work stuff. Like, I don't schedule interviews. I plan to be in bed until 5 p.m. You've This is really interesting because you've kind of cultivated this very idyllic life there. It's yep. very It's very romantic. Like you're a writer, you're up late at night, you're drinking all the time. Like there's something about drinking and writing that seem to go hand in hand. You know, like some of my favorite writers were drunks. I don't, know? okay, I, I agree with you, but I don't drink if I'm writing. Yeah, you don't have to. Like if I'm, if I'm working, I'm not, like I'll have a glass of wine. Like I have a glass of wine every night or two glasses of wine every night, but I don't get like drunk. But it's, I do, I love my life. It's amazing. Like I really wish I made more money because like, I don't have any like savings and I don't own anything, but it's like I all my friends in BC are depressed. Well, you're a really good writer, you know, and I think Thank it's a matter you. of time before you do make more money. But maybe it's just also the way you're doing it is kind of interesting too, with the Patreon and, or the Substack and that kind of setup. That's a very honest way to live, though. You know, people are only paying you for what they like, and yeah. it's their choice, their decision. You know, totally. It's I. I don't. Yeah, like anybody can just donate money to me if they support my work, and they do, and I find that really like kind of amazing and generous because I don't know if I do that. Like, and I it's a great relationship. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean, and it's and it's liberating for me. I just do what I want to do. Like, I write about what I want to write about. I think about what's important to me. I talk to people I find interesting. Tell I me mean, what you, your Substack is, so just so they can find you. It's called The Same Drugs, but I think it's just Megan Murphy, like, at Substack or whatever. Okay. Megan with an H. Um, and it's pretty new, but I, like, I, like, writing is what I want to do. I don't have enough time to write as much as I want to write because I spend so much time on the podcasts and the video stuff and just doing admin work and Blah, do, blah, you, blah. Do, you, do you think that drinking, there's something about drinking that formulates ideas in my head that don't seem to want to be there without drinking? Like there's times with drinking like bumps you or shoves you into an area of thought where you're laughing about something that maybe you wouldn't have laughed about. Or you have like, like what is, and you like for conversation, it's like one of the greatest things for conversation. When you're totally. out with some friends, <clears throat> And you're drinking whiskey and you're like two drinks in and everyone's laughing and then someone just goes why is this a thing and then it's like I know that's coming from his mind I know it's all coming from our minds but there's a there's a part of your mind that opens up when you're drinking yep 
I mean, I think, yeah, I, I feel like you can make certain connections or observations about yeah. social things as well when you're drinking. But obviously, like, it loosens people up to be more themselves. Yeah. They're, like, they don't, they're not as aware of what they're doing. They're not as self-conscious. They're not as protective. You know, they're going to be more open. I, that, I love that about, like, I love going to the bar and, like, talking to the person who's sitting next to me. Right. I like meeting people at the bar. Like, in Say, I would have never done this in Vancouver. In Sayulita, I just go out by myself because I mean it's a small community, so I know lots of people, and I know if I go to the bar, I'm probably gonna see a friend. But even if I don't, like I'll just go sit at the bar, and like the person next to me will start talking to me, yeah. and I'll be cool, and I'll learn something, and they'll be interesting. And that's so not the culture. And I would have felt so embarrassed to go to a, a bar by myself. Like men did that in Vancouver. Men go sit at bars by themselves. But to be a woman and go sit at a bar by themselves, like right, it, it's you're gonna feel awkward and stupid and embarrassed. Everyone in Vancouver is so judgy too. But and you'll feel like people assume you want to be hit on or you're desperate. You have no friends. Right, right. And it's not like I like it. I genu I have friends and I like yeah. being by myself. I like going out to eat by myself. It sounds like you're in a great community. Yeah, it sounds an, like it's, it's great. perfect for you. And people aren't people are not like people don't care what your politics are. Nobody knew what I did or who I was there for until I did your podcast. And they couldn't hide it anymore <laughs> that I was a bigot. <laughs> but it was so, it was really beautiful because I, you know, I had been so ostracized in Vancouver because of the gender identity stuff. Like, I, I mean, for people who don't know, because I'm critical of gender identity and I don't think men can become women and I want to protect women's rights um, and protect kids, you know, people in Vancouver, a lot of people just ghosted me. Some people said, I can't hang out with you anymore. You can't come to my birthday party because my friend hates you because she thinks you're a transphobe. Like, friends of friends who don't know me at all would basically bully my friends into not hanging out with me. Um, and I was so angry. I was a little bit hurt, but more just like, fuck you, you fucking pussy. Like, you know, it's so, that is so disrespectful. Like it's you don't disagree with me, you don't dislike me, but you don't. You're worried about what your friends will think, and so you're like, and and they behaved as though I was causing trouble in their lives because they would end up in these arguments with their friends or, you know, in a position where they were being asked to defend me, um, or being asked to condemn me, and it made things stressful for them, and they blamed me. So they would be like, you know, this is you're making things really hard for me, and I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Um, but in Sayulita, like I, so I did your podcast and I came back and everybody was just like really proud of me. Like it didn't matter what I said. And a lot of people agreed with me. Maybe some people didn't. And they were like, good for you that you did a really good job. One like the they're problems, so sweet. Megan is people agree with you in silence. Yeah. They agree with you in hushed tones and whispers. You know, they, they, they'll say it at the water cooler when no one's around. Like she's fucking, she's got a point about certain things. Like, especially when it comes to like athletic competition, this is one that's dividing the country right now. It's like this, this thing where someone can re uh, you know, decide or identify as a, a woman and compete against biological women. And it turns out the, the, the standards that you have to achieve to, to do that are different everywhere. 
Right? It's different with the Olympics. It's different with certain organizations won't accept trans athletes. Certain ones will. Certain ones, you you all you have to do is identify. You don't have to have any proof of what you're doing. And it's just, especially when it comes to like high school sports and college sports, like you are now competing with someone who's trying to get a scholarship. And if someone is an elite athlete, so say if a woman is an elite athlete in a certain sport and she has fucking been grinding it out her whole life and then some biological male comes along and identifies as a woman and then a year later is competing against women and has almost supernatural advantages and this is what we're seeing and it's it doesn't make you a bigot to say that this is what's so fucked up about this whole thing it's like you can be an open-minded compassionate person who also sees the truth and where the rubber hits the road in my eyes is when there's clear classifications of male or female in sports. It's a great example. There's a clear classification. The men don't compete against the women because they have an advantage. We, we, we agree to that from the beginning. And we've always we've known always that because otherwise that. these yes. categories wouldn't exist. And women wouldn't have sports if we didn't know that and we didn't decide if women are going to play sports competitively, if women are going to compete, they have to have their own category because yeah. they can't compete against men. They'll lose. Yeah. It's not fair. That's It's that simple. It's not fair. And I don't know what the solution is. And I don't think it's necessarily that the trans person should have to compete as a man. Um, I don't think that's the answer either. I don't think there's enough trans people for trans people to compete as trans people, like like to win a trans division. I don't think, I don't think that's the solution either. I I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that there's rules when it comes to competition. One of the rules is you can't take performance enhancing drugs, right? Like if you're a person and you want to compete in in certain sports. They blood test you. They'll they'll vada test you. They'll make sure that you're not doing anything. Well, if you're uh, let's say if you're a female to male transgender person, right? So you're a trans man, and you want to be competing with other men. We really don't hear about that, and we're really not upset at that. Like no one, no one's complaining about that happening, right? But if that person did want to complain, here's what they would say: This person has exogenous testosterone that's not derived from human beings. It's derived from wild yams. Okay, so we do a carbon isotope. I think that's what it is. It's, it's, some, it's a more complicated test. It's not just recognizing the levels of the test. It's recognizing where the testosterone comes from. We have synthetic testosterone in your system. That's absolutely illegal. Well, if you have synthetic estrogen in your system, is that okay? And how much testosterone are you allowed to have? Because there's a guy named Derek who runs this uh, YouTube show, uh, More Plates, More Dates. And he was going over thresholds because he was talking about that woman, uh, the swimmer from uh, Leah Thomas. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, going over th thresholds. He's like the thresholds that like we're in certain sports where they test and they say, OK, you can compete as a woman are like way higher than most women are. Normally. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's so But you weird. can still compete as a woman. Yeah. But if you were a woman, and you were on steroids. They wouldn't let you compete. Yeah. This is my point. It's like something's off. Like. It's not, this is not fair. It's, but, and it has nothing to do with someone's identity. Like if you, it's Wait, not Your like, identity do, doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's also, it's, I don't want to change that. I don't want, I'm going to affect what your name is or what your pronouns are or any of that shit. I don't care. 
I'm just saying in this thing, we have to recognize this is not, it's not boom, you're a woman, abracadabra. It's not a magic wand. There's some fucking gray area. And if you don't want to admit that, if you want, you, you want to pretend that that doesn't exist, well, now we're in a cult. Now we're, we're ideologically bound to these ideas where you can't even discuss. Like, there's a lot of people I or know that are liberal. you can't discuss reality and you can't tell the truth. Exactly. But it's, it, you can't it, ask questions this. even. Yes, you can't say it. There, you can't discuss it. Okay, the solution is that if you're male, you have to compete in the male category. And if you're female, you have to compete in the female category. There's no other solution. The idea of creating a trans category would be fine in theory, but there's not enough trans people for that to make sense. And it, like, my opinion is that if you want to be an athlete, if you want to compete, then you make a decision about whether or not you want to take hormones. Yeah. And if you're taking hormones, you can't compete, just like everybody else. Like, it's, you can be trans if you want, but that might take you out of the competition. So you choose what's more important to you. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be mean, but there's no other solution. If you're a male, if you've gone through puberty, you have an advantage. Your body is totally different. Like, I just interviewed um, Taylor Silverman, who is that, uh, a skateboarder, a female skateboarder, yeah. and she lost first place to a so-called trans woman. Um, so a male who was identifying as a woman. And she, it was a Red Bull contest, and she contacted Red Bull privately. Like, she wasn't trying to make a big show of anything. She's, like, a wonderful young woman. She's, like, super articulate, super respectful, super smart. Um, and she's not, like, making a ton of money off of skateboarding. She's 27 years old. She's not going to be doing this forever. She, she spoke out because she felt it wasn't fair. And, and what she told, she was like, you know, this might affect... If I have kids one day, it might affect my daughter. Like, this doesn't really affect me that much. She contacted Red Bull privately and said, hey, this happened. I don't think this is fair. Like, this, you know, I lost out on $2,000. Like, I should have been in first place. A bunch of other stuff. Red Bull totally ignored her. So she posted on social media. She got a ton of traction, a ton of attention, and a ton of support. And it's like, you maybe some people think about skateboarding, and they're like, well... What advantage does a man have over a woman in skateboarding? But, like, your hips move differently. Like, you're jumping. You're, like, I don't skateboard, so I'm not going to explain this as well as somebody who skates. But, you know, there there are advantages and differences in all sorts of subtle ways, as well as in very obvious ways when we're talking about sports like track, swimming, MMA. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, you're beating people up. Well, that's where I came into the conversation. Yeah. yeah. When the, that thing was happening where there was a trans woman who was a male for 30 years who was only transitioned within the last two years and was not telling anybody and saying that it was a medical issue so she fought two different women that were biological females and beat the fuck out of them and that that's when I stepped in I was like you're out of your fucking mind this is crazy because I've been around martial arts my whole life I there's a giant difference there's a giant difference to men and women the big one is power the difference is so stark. It's so different. Like if you got a powerful person, like someone who's a really hard striker, like a Tyron Woodley, if Tyron Woodley transitioned to be female, like how, how much are you going to deplete him where it's not the most ruthless execution every time he steps into the cage? It's disgusting. Because there's just a different... Uh, he's too big for most women. He's 170 pounds. He, could be, he was one of the best welterweight champions in the UFC. But 
if someone was like smaller, like 135 pounds, like there's women that can beat men. Don't make no mistake about it. And we we talked about it on in the, the podcast. In the MMA, recently. or do you mean like yeah, a woman who's yeah, skilled yeah. could beat a man who's not? No, women in MMA. Jermaine Durandamy is a multiple-time world kickboxing champion, Muay Thai champion. She was UFC featherweight champion. She's a fucking savage, and she fought a man in a boxing match. How big is she? Like how tall? She's tall. She's very tall. I believe she's like five eleven and real long and very wiry and strong. And Mm -hmm. she's a phenomenal striker. Okay, so is that like about you want to see it? Skill? Yeah, totally. Watch her knock this. I'm like, I'm really into MMA now. I I mean, I know that I don't know what because I text you. And I'm like, okay. why did this person Watch win? This. And you're Here's like, Jermaine. Duh. I'm a big fan of her. She's got a, a lightning bolt right hand. So she's fighting a dude. And the dude is not on her level. Definitely not on her level. But he's still a fucking dude. She's awesome. And look, I mean, he's clu- he hit her with a big fucking shot there. She's amazing. Clubbed her in the break. Dude, she's a demon. You got to watch her fight. She uh, she has like one of the the most technical stand up games in all of MMA today. She's really good on her feet. Really good. Look at that right hand. And so this dude is just she's sw- awesome. Like but, she's like in there. Like she's yeah. <laughs> ah, she's good. So watch it here. Keep no, no, no. You almost had it. You almost had it to, to where the KO is. Okay, this is it right here. Wow. It's it goes into this corner to this corner. Yeah, that's when they're gonna go to this corner on the left, and that's where the KO happens. But it's really crazy because the guy was hurting her. I mean, he was really like here it is one two three Damn. and watch this watch this perfect right hand because the dude's swarming on her right. And as soon as they break feet, bam, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I mean, bad. that is fucking picture perfect. That dude got wrecked. I mean, but Amazing. but that's why, the kind of why did she get she to has. fight a dude? How did this happen? It's not in America. Where is I it? I believe it's in Holland. And uh, was, was it like it she say? was like, I want to fight a dude, or how? Yeah, did yeah, this... yeah. She knew what was good. She just said, I'll fucking fuck you up, bitch. Yeah. And so they had a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so she agreed to fight a guy. But that also happened with one of the great women boxers of the 80s and 90s, this woman named Lucia Riker. And Lucia Riker was also a world Muay Thai champion, and she was a, the most dangerous female boxer for years. And they were always trying to set her up with Christy Martin. Remember Christy Martin, the coal miner's daughter? She was like a famous okay, uh-huh. female did, wait, boxer. Did she, she wrote a book or an autobiography or something like that? Did she I think you're thinking of the singer. Of? What's that woman's name? I'm <laughs> thinking of a singer. No, I'm thinking of a boxer. I just am thinking. Daughter. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not what I'm thinking of. That's the, is okay, that Dolly I, Parton anyway, usually? Clearly, I don't a know what this person is. movie from 1980 Daughter. But yeah. isn't there an original song? Uh, well, I would imagine so, she's singing and I'm not sure who that is. I don't want to oh, double yeah. down on this because it's not what I, I was thinking of a boxer <laughs> yeah, who was a Christy woman Martin. who wrote a book. So this was my point. <laughs> so. They never they never fought, but everybody always felt like Lucia Riker was the better boxer. Like okay. m- people that were martial arts enthusiasts and boxers, they thought that Lucia Riker was the woman, the one to beat. Okay. So she fought a dude, but she got knocked out. And it's rough because it's the same sort of situation. See if you can find that. I mean, Lucia I feel Riker like these kinds of things would be the things where people are like, well, yeah. I guess women can compete against men, so why no, are no, we no, keeping no, no, trans no, no. women out? But this is an exception. She's an outlier of all outliers. Yeah. She's a, I mean, Jermaine Durandamy is a multiple-time world champion. She's elite. Like, when I watch her hit the pads, it's like, I could just... Wow, it's like beautiful. Da da bang, da da bang. Like everything is smooth when she's moving in. It's like you're watching a fucking executioner. Amazing. It's beautiful to watch. But that's an outlier. That's the that's the top of the food chain. Yeah. That's literally right here. World champion. Yeah. Everybody else is fucked because Lucia Riker was a world champion, and the guy that she fought was not. He was just not. He was okay. 
but he was no way was he in the level that she was. Look at this, and that's Lucia <laughs> Riker. And she gets uh, she gets cracked somewhere in there. It's a, this is a Muay Thai fight. That's right. And she gets uh, she gets KO'd. And as a woman, she was just one of the, actually this dude's a lot better than I give him credit for. She's so intense. The dude is a lot better than I give credit for. I'm thinking of something different here. I might have confused this. There it is right there. There it is. There it is. Uh. And she gets KO'd. That guy's a lot better than I thought he was. You know, I think I lost, I think when I first saw this, I was probably upset that he knocked her out and I probably disparaged his, his skill. And You're then I looked like, at it that way. She but, shouldn't have won. She's yeah, better. But, but that was a beautiful left hand. I'm definitely And another one. That was, yeah, I mean, that guy's good. I'm wrong. What do you, do you think that the guys, like, how, do, how often does this happen where men and women. Very rarely. Like, yeah, but I've that, never seen it. That's an example. They probably both weigh the same weight, but the amount of power that that guy had, like that left hook. It's funny because she looks bigger than him. I mean, maybe she's taller. Well, so, well, she's also she, wearing a t-shirt. She looks bigger and like tougher than he does. Like he looks tiny, but maybe that's just because you expect men to be bigger and women this to be smaller. This is shit um, grain footage, right? It's not that good. Oh, so he's a Thai as she well. She versus he. Sam Chai Jai D. Yeah, it's from New Zealand. I mean, but people, people do like people who defend like trans women being able to compete against women in sport do use these like random examples where it's like oh you know well so-and-so can't is faster or so-and-so beat so-and-so but it's like that's not common and and to me like the sports thing is so great and interesting because it reaches every normal person who was not engaged in the debate around gender identity which was primarily for so long it really was like I don't think people knew this, but it was really it was radical feminists. Like Janice Raymond wrote a book about transgenderism and how it was like dangerous to women and women's rights in 1979. What? Yes, it's Did called what, what? the Transsexual Empire. I didn't. know. And it's a good book. It's interesting. I didn't know that it was that big of a political issue back then. And then like Gloria Steinem in the late 70s, I think, said. Um, Something critical about there was like a a tennis player, a male tennis player. They used to call them. Okay, I think you're right. I'm yeah. really bad with names, so I apologize. I'm like, the one that oh yeah, the coal miner's daughter. The one that transitioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, that was a famous story. And she was critical. Gloria Steinem was critical of that publicly. You know, she was critical of this idea of transgenderism. Like she was like, you shouldn't change to fit the gender stereotypes of the world. You should. Sh- the, I'm. Fully paraphrasing, this is not what she said. She said something critical. She retracted it in later years because she was bullied into it. But, you know, th- this debate was happening in the late 70s and 80s, and radical feminists were, like, not having it at all. Like, it's only recently that all these so-called feminists started to come around and say trans women are women. And even then, the radical feminists are the ones that have been fighting this for so long. Julie Bendel, who is a U.K. journalist, wrote an article in 2004 for The Guardian about um, what happened at Vancouver Rape Relief, which is a um, it's a rape crisis line and a transition house for women escaping domestic abuse. And a trans woman, Kimberly Nixon, came to uh, training for counselors, like so counselors who were there at the house, like working with women who were escaping serious domestic abuse and sexual assault. And the women who were doing the training were like, 
you know, sorry, you're a man. Only women are allowed to train as counselors here. They only had women employees, volunteers. Only women are allowed in the house. Um, and Kimberly Nixon took them to court, to the Human Rights Tribunal. Vancouver Rape Relief went all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Um, they won the right to determine their own membership. They didn't win, you know, trans women are men. Um, and Julie Bindle wrote about that case in 2004. Like, radical feminists were trying to warn people about what was happening and what was going to happen if we allowed this to go on. And nobody listened. And now it's like almost too late. And, you know, whatever. This is how things go. And nobody listens to radical feminists. This is like a very marginal political <laughs> movement. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's <laughs> it's very frustrating to me because now... We're seeing, I don't want to categorize people because, you know, I'm, I was going to say right-wing men, but I like a lot of right-wing men. There's a lot of right-wing people who are great, um, a lot of people who really do care about women's rights. But we're seeing some right-wing men, like, showing up online and being like, where are all the feminists on this issue? How come I'm the only person brave enough to say that men aren't women and to speak up? And it's like, dude, we have been trying to be heard. I couldn't get anything published on this. Like when Bill C-16, Canada's gender identity legislation showed up, um, the liberals were trying to push it through in 2016. I pitched to everywhere to say, these are my concerns with regard specifically to the impact on women's rights. Um, these are the issues I have with this ideology. I think it's regressive. I think it's sexist. I think it's dangerous. Um, nobody would publish anything like the Canadian media would not have me on. They would not interview me. Every single event that we tried to plan, we'd, you know, get threatened. The venues would pull out. This happened in the UK. This happened in the US. Um, it, you know, I just I'm so grateful that I had my own platform and my own website so that I could write about this stuff and so that I could interview women who were doing work on this issue and interview people who are experts um, because otherwise I wouldn't, I don't know where I would have said any of this stuff. Like we finally pushed and pushed and pushed to host talks and that forced the media to cover it a bit. But like, I don't know why I started complaining about this, except that it makes me really mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. I don't know who I was talking to about this, but, uh, the conversation essentially was, we, this person I was talking to, whoever, whoever it was, I forgive them. I, uh, forgive me, please. Uh, she was saying that the problem becomes a lot of people that are women who have these groups that are dedicated just to women. And then a trans woman will come in these groups and behave like a man and and bring like a man's attitude to this thing. And she's like, it's specific and it's not discussed. So it's this thing that happens where they start acting male mm -hmm. for lack of a better term so like she was talking about taking over things running things like being like very outspoken and aggressive with their opinions about things and in, in almost an intimidating way yeah a way like a man does it yeah there was a fucking um anti-abortion or anti um a, a pro-choice rally and uh, this trans woman was screaming with the deepest voice keep your laws out of my pussy oh my god but it was so wild. And that's just like domineering behavior. Like, I don't. But I, it was, they weren't even trying to hide. I mean, it, it was such a masculine voice. 
Well, and that's, I'm like, I'm like, I don't believe that you believe it. Like those, I'm like, you don't think you're a woman. But Give me a break. A you're just being a bully. That might be like a louder with Crowder sketch. Yeah, I mean, a lot later. of it seems like satire and it's hard to tell which <laughs> is satire and which tell. is real. It's very hard to tell. That's the problem is that things are getting blurry. And But I do, I think a lot of men, you know, identify as women or trans women specifically so that they can act like bullies. Not all of them. Some people just want to be themselves and that's fine. Go be yourself. I don't care. But like so that you can insert yourself into spaces and conversation and take over. I think that the kind of men who identify as women or trans women who go into women's change rooms or bathrooms I, or like the there was that guy at the spa. in mm -hmm. Yeah. In L.A. L.A. You know, I think that they're. They want to make women feel uncomfortable. You know that you're making women feel... You're parading around naked in a change room, in a women's change room, or at like a woman-only spa. You know that you're making people feel uncomfortable, and you're doing it anyway. Like, you're an asshole, and you're a pervert. Well, you can't say that. Well, I... You, you can't say that. <laughs> or you'll you get banned that from Twitter. You're going to get you're gonna get in trouble. But Sorry, I hope I don't get you in trouble. Unhinged, <laughs> a hairy armpit individual with green hair. Chance, keep your laws out of my pussy. Is that it? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay. I right. bet there was more of those. Well, this is a, there's a lot. That's like a real woman. Pussy. That's I couldn't tell. That could be a woman that does CrossFit. All right. <laughs> she doesn't look in that good shape, or he... <laughs> No, she doesn't, but if she's an overweight woman who does a lot of overhead presses, it's possible that that's a woman. There are some women who look mannish in Man the MMA, for example. Up to a fucking certain But you level. can tell. Yeah, up to a level. You sit up next to Yoel Romero, you know who's the fucking woman. I, th I find it hilarious that when trans activists pretend that nobody can tell. <laughs> like, oh, so oh, well, you probably had trans women in your bathroom your whole life and you didn't know. And it's like, everybody knows you know who a man is, you know who a woman is. Like, there's very few that, like, are sort of ambiguous, but for the most part, it's obvious. And sometimes it's not even, oh, would you like some more ricea? <laughs> just, just had a last sip, no. You, okay, you're no, not going to try, okay. That's, nasty. That's okay, you can try it another time That's with Snoop. That's nasty. Um, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is actually good. I don't, it's good. Um, anyway. But the thing is, you can't even have that on the table. When you leave, when you have an open door, right? And you say, all you have to do is identify, and then you could be in, in, around these people. You you must open the door to the possibility the perverts are going to go in there. If you want to pretend yeah. that to be trans excludes the, pop, the possibility of you being a pervert, that's crazy. It's totally possible that someone could say they identify as trans. I'm not saying that people are doing this. I'm saying it's totally possible. This must be considered. And people have been, you know, people have been assaulted. You know, biological males have gone into females' bathrooms and assaulted them. It's, it's, a, it's a fucked up individual more than it is indicative of trans people overall. It's but not, a, yeah, it's not about trans. I'm not saying like it's about trans people being predators. It's about some humans, males. Some male humans. Who are predators yes. and use that as a way to get away with it. Or there whatever. was also something, I forget who told me this too. It might have been Bridget. Uh, uh, autogynephilia. Mm hmm. Yes. This Please. is what I, when I say pervert or when I say fetishist, like I know it sounds offensive. Like if I'm like, these men are men with fetishes. Like men who, there's research on this, men who transition when they're younger tend to be gay men. Um, uh, I think it's Ray Blanchard that did this research, um, tend to be gay men. And men who transition when they're older, middle aged, 
uh, tend to be heterosexual men with fetishes, with like what might be called cross-dressing fetishes. Like they're turned on by wearing women's clothes and by the idea of wearing women's clothes in public um, and by the idea of like passing as a woman. Obviously, none of them pass as women, but that it's a fetish and it's called autogonophilia. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about this being part of the reason that transgenderism became mainstream, became part of the LGBTQ activism stuff um and why they attach themselves to this born this way mantra like some people are just born trans and why this idea of trans kids exists like some kids are just born in the wrong body and some some babies are assigned male and in fact they're girls because these guys wanted to legitimize their fetishes and their preferred identities so they had to pretend that it was something innate they had to push this narrative that it was something innate that it wasn't just about them you know having this fetish for wearing but how, do, how could you know that though how could you know that some people aren't born and they feel like they're in the wrong body like some boys who are born and they feel like i sh i'm supposed to be a girl doesn't matter so you feel like you're supposed to be a girl you're not your boy like, so what? Like, I but, know, I think that for some people, then it's a, it's a mental illness, and we're not allowed to say that. Like, if you're but is it, a male... But is it absolutely a mental illness? Here's the question. If someone is born male, but they feel in every fiber of their being that they're supposed to be a woman, and they're healthy every other way, how are, is that really mental illness, or is there some wiring that should be male and is female some some not understood mechanism that makes someone feel like they're a woman or feel like they're a boy okay so mental condition then don't call it mental illness call it a mental condition like if you're a male and you feel certain that you're actually supposed to be female you want to you hate your male body parts mm -hmm. so much to such an extent that you cannot live comfortably you have to get rid of them and and to be clear go ahead and do that you're an adult you have the right to get cosmetic surgeries i think that surgeons should be more accountable and culpable and like warn people about the dangers and about the fact that they might not be able to orgasm again or it might be mangled like these are real serious dangerous surgeries but you know that's a mental condition. Just like if you were a man and you believed so strongly, like there's those people that get like, you know, lizard, you know, they get yeah. like Im bone, like what are implants. those implants yeah. in their foreheads? Yeah, and crazy. they like, have you ever seen the get black rid of alien their project? noses? Yes. Have you seen the black alien project. Have you seen him lately, Jamie? It's he chopped off two of his fingers to try to emulate what he believes would be an alien claw. So in one of his hands, he only has two fingers. And I think he's going to do it to the other hand, too. What is that? And now he's also uh, implanted all these beads all over his arm. So he has like a spiral of beads over his arm. Like, what is like, that? Look at his right what hand. What is this? Like, he why his fucking would somebody off. do this? Look what he's doing to his arm. But he's turning himself into like an alien. Like, this should be like whoever, whatever surgeon is doing this to him, I think is unethical. It's really cr Did he chop off his top finger too, or is he tucking it in? Oh, there okay. he is. Yeah. You know, he's got two fingers on one hand. But, like, look at this everything about him. Do you think the, this person was traumatized as a child? Something happened. Yeah. You know what's interesting? There's photos of him when he was younger before he got all this stuff done, and he's a good looking guy. 
It's like what he's doing is like really oh, bizarre. Lord. Like he was like gifted by nature with great genetics. This Look, he's got his so eyeballs tattooed. Up, yeah, this it's is what so I was crazy. talking about the nose thing. Like he's like Yeah, he's got his nose removed. Yeah. He just has an open hole. Yeah. Where his nose used to be. It's so crazy. Like that's what he looks like. And is what this cuz he fuck? believes that he's actually no, an alien no, or it's he like just a body modification project? I believe he's he I think he speaks Spanish. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, he speaks Spanish. Um so it's you have to translate. I feel like this person must have severe childhood trauma. Something's up. I mean, that is, they've got his ears removed too. Oh, Jesus Ew. Christ. <sighs> that is so crazy. Okay, but I mean. That's so goddamn crazy. So those cuts on the side must be where they put those brow implants. Lord. Holy fucking Who shit. Who is doing this to this man? A lot of people, I bet. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Is oh, that there go. Work by my bro. All right, let's check out your bro. <laughs> Ew. Oh, that guy's got his tongue split. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ooh. No. What is that? <laughs> what is that? I don't even know what the what bone that is. Is that someone's back? What is that? What are we looking at? What is it? What does it say up there? Uh, Fresh works, it says. Genital implants. <gasps> no. Oh, no. No. Why are, you... are we looking? <laughs> no. No. God damn it. Back they were up. looking at a dick this whole time. Oh, go back. Go back to yeah, that. It says it's a dick. Oh, my God. So you only see the top of the dick. So it's like side dick skin. Gross. Look how great. That guy's got a hairy ass dick. Yeah. I don't want to pluck those hairs, son. Look, <laughs> look at that. I thought that was like his back. Do you think that he's having sex with people? I bet that shit's going to hurt. I bet there's not that many people. Well, there's probably other like, weirdos who are like, I want to have sex with an alien. They have dick butt plugs. It's like a butt plug. That's what it is. He's turning his dick into a butt plug. So it's got all those like humps. Oh. That's what it is. It's like beads. You know, people use so anal it's beads. it's for men, not for women. It's for butts. It might be for women. Yeah. No, women don't like anal sex. And Forever this is a it. hill is that, that I'm going to die on. Women don't have a prostate. Like, uh, men... And some women are so stupid about this thing because they're like, I like anal sex. So, do you <laughs> so think women, women must oh, like. Oh, 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 oh. What the fuck, man? There's the bottom of that. What like is happening here? He's got his eyeballs tattooed, but it looks like. Oh, a... they're tattooed. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Wild colors. That is awful. It looks cool, oh, That's crazy. Insane. It looks cool for now. What about yeah. your this, 90? I think this qualifies as self-harm. Like, I think it's the same concept, but way more extreme of, like, cutting. Well, the thing about this one is, is this doesn't turn back. You can't turn that around. Nope. Once you get your eyeballs tattooed, your eyeballs are tattooed forever. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just like people are doing things to themselves and, you know, I f whoa, <sighs> look at that girl. Oh, my God. Look I mean, at her I eyes. think. I think a lot of this kind of thing is like trauma and then it's like attention and wanting to feel special and wanting. Okay, I've, I've seen that. Right. Kind of Wait a minute, that guy with the split tongue right there. Hold on, yeah, go back. Yeah, that one right there. What the fuck, so man? So gross. Oh my God. Jesus Christ, that is so crazy. How do you crazy. think these people make a living? Starbucks. <laughs> Baristas. <laughs> <laughs> They're queer activists. Uh, oh, that was mean. Woo! Oh, God. <laughs> um. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying all this while I'm covered in tattoos. My, my arms are sleeved up. Yeah, but tattoos. I feel like tattoos, I mean, that's 
cross-cultural. Like people have always done that kind of thing. I like tattoos. I just don't Lots like your eyeballs do. done and fucking bolts put in your head. Um, but so to, to to go back to that, what we're talking about, if someone feels like they've been a, a girl their whole life. It doesn't make them actually a girl. So you, so where does that, where should that preclude them from sports? Should preclude them from women's bathrooms? Like, I think it should preclude them from competing against and with women in sport. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the bathroom thing's funny because I don't know that they're like. I feel like you know. Like, if you're a man, you don't go into women's bathrooms. You don't want to make women feel scared or uncomfortable. Um, unless you do. Unless you're. Unless you do. That's what you're trying to do. I don't think this is such a complicated issue as people are making it out to be. I think everybody knows what bathroom they should go into. Uh, prisons, if you're male, you got to stay in the male prison. You cannot be transferred to the female prison. But how are you going to get anybody pregnant? Exactly. If you don't get transferred <laughs> to the female How women going to have babies? It's not hilarious. That one biological male got two women pregnant. You're like... So, like, here's the question. If you're a biological male and say you've transitioned and you want to be identified as, as a female and go to a female prison if you get arrested, are you... Do you have to take estrogen? No. So you could just stop taking estrogen? I don't think you have to do anything. I think you just have to identify as a woman and, like, apply and say, I'm a woman... What a wacky move. Because you can keep your dick and all oh, yeah. your hormones and, and everything you can rocking totally and rolling. totally fully keep and your just, dick. Just slinging dick all over the cell block. Well, and in Canada, like, I know I've talked to women who have been in prison with men, and there are sexual assaults that have gone on in women's prisons perpetrated by men. And obviously, how long have they been allowed them to do that? To, to um, go to women's prisons. I don't know when it started exactly, but at least a few years. Um, and now, obviously, it's getting worse because this has like been further entrenched in the law. So, how did that happen? Do you think? Well, this is what's really interesting. It's not just um, acceptance; it's a celebration and a, like a, um, a societal shaming of people who question it and talk about it. Like this is not a. You know, like there's people that are shitty people. They they don't like people for whatever reason. Whether they don't like gay people, they don't like trans people, they don't like all kinds of people. But we're not. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like just there's a mantra that almost you have to say, like trans women are women, you, you, and you say that. And so if you don't say that, and you even discuss it, if you talk about things like, hey, you know that swimmer was number 462 with the men, and now she's number one as a woman. Like, maybe that's not fair. Like, maybe if that was your kid going to that school, you wouldn't think it's fair. People would fucking blow up at you. They'll get mad at you. There's a certain amount of people that feel like this is their ch their chance to show their loyalty to this ideology, and they'll argue it, like, in a, in a very aggressive way. And it's it's interesting, because, like, how many people are we talking about? Like, how many people are, is this actually affecting where the discussion has gone through the entire culture? It's really interesting in that way. Like, so what happened? And what, what rocketed that to the position that it's in now? I mean, the prison issue specifically 
I believe that was just about the Canadian government not wanting to deal with this problem. And they're like, okay, sure, fine. They're doing because it here too, Because in Canada, though. they, you know, the Canadian government will not discuss or acknowledge that this is really happening, nor will the Canadian media. Mm. You know, there are women, women who are ex-inmates who are fighting this. Um, and some, you know, women, you know, radical feminists who are fighting this. But the Canadian government will not engage with them, will not acknowledge. I mean, essentially, they've determined that protecting, you know, protecting themselves from controversy, protecting themselves from being, you know, attacked by trans activists or criticized or whatever, they're just going to let this happen. And who cares what the result is for the women in prison who are having to share their cells with Mm. men who are impregnating them? crazy yeah i mean they're just they're being completely cowardly and completely unethical but it's so weird that that's made its way into law enforcement like that's what's weird to me and even the military like i've seen and and i've seen a lot of like special forces guys and and navy seals and some like high level guys that are super upset with this Super upset with this. What's happening in the military? Wokeness Mm. making its way and woke language making its way into the military. And they're like, hey, we're in the business. Like Tim Kennedy said this. He said, we are in the business of killing bad guys. And anything that gets in the way of killing bad guys is not, it's not something we're going to tolerate. Like they, they're just not interested. Like you can't have that get to that level. You have like. These special forces guys who have to do these insane operations under extreme pressure, very high likelihood of death, and you can't have any bullshit there. You have to have the the, the best trained, most qualified, everything has to be accurate, everybody has to form as a unit. Yeah. You can't have any bullshit there. And if you've got some ideological bullshit, like you have to say this, we have to have a certain amount of people that are that, and it's like, no, 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 not there. Because that's the that's the place where literal life or death is in the balance, and you cannot be thinking about that right. nonsense. Like imagine, you know how hard buds is for Navy SEALs. It's like one of the most extreme tests that any military organization puts on a member. It's a if you can become a Navy SEAL, you are a highly distinguished human being who can do some things that most people can't do in terms of like your will, your your ability to force your way through situations that are extremely difficult and uncomfortable. You can't say with that, we're going to lighten up our expectations because we like to have some trans seals. Yeah, it cannot be about inclusivity. Right. It has to be only a meritocracy. It has to only be the people that can fucking do it. Yeah. You know? What a strange place for like wokeness to be inserted. It's it's bizarre that it's discussed in the military, but they have discussed it. They've discussed all kinds of like woke talk. And and people are pushing back against it because they're surprised that it was there. I'm like, you guys are the fucking hired killers. You guys are the hired killers of the government. And you're talking woke. Ridiculous. You know, it's, but it's so interesting to me how it's accelerated in what Douglas Murray always talks about. That for some reason, when a civilization is near the end, they become obsessed with gender. Yeah, I mean, it's partly an obsession with gender and then hedonism, I think. Hedonism. Like, I think that it's like, I I really, I don't like using the word privilege because it's overused and it's used in sort of weird ways to shut down conversation and to 
silence people and things like that. But I think it's like too much privilege. Like you don't have enough real problems that you're worrying about people's gender identities. Like it's so stupid. It's not real life. It's just invented ideology, like academic ideology. Um, I think that it's like, and I think that it's indulging in, again, fetishes, like, a lot of these, they call themselves trans widows, so women who have had husbands that have decided to transition while they're married. Um, and I've talked to some of these women, and their stories are really heartbreaking. Um, you know, and in those cases, their stories are often like these guys start acting really like teenagery and like get super narcissistic and like all of a sudden you know they get really superficial they're into clothes they want all the attention but Kardashians? often did you just say Kardashian? <laughs> what did you say? No, want all the attention. <laughs> Interesting because that's <laughs> I was like that's Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I don't I I don't know. My theory about Caitlyn Jenner is like all these chicks are getting all this attention, like, and uh, Caitlyn Jenner, like, I don't know if you watched, did you watch the Kardashians? A little bit. I used to, it was amazing how they would mock him. When, when would, he would he, always just be, like, alone in a room upstairs watching TV. <laughs> they would all be, like, doing their thing and having fun without him. Well, you know, ultimately, in the end, it seems like he's happier this way. He's she's, funny because she's happier. She's happier this way. I'll she's, say he. You say she. Okay. He. She's um. You know. She seems happier, and she is getting a lot of attention. I mean, you want to talk about a Titanic shift in attention? I mean, it's a monstrous difference between like pre-transition and now. There's a giant difference. Like all of a sudden, like a center figure in culture. I mean, and he is also one of those people who, like, he's talked about like trying on his like daughter's clothing like he's an autogonophile also which is fine i mean do whatever but like and but he is funny because he's like anti-woke yeah and he's kind of critical of trans activism well definitely like, critical think, of transgender athletes in sports and wants to protect children yeah it's, it's similar to what you said yeah yeah I mean, he he doesn't literally think he's a female. This is how he wants to live his life, and he feels better that way, and fine. Yeah. But, like, he did, he started off trying on women's clothing and being turned on by it, and then would, like, wear pantyhose under his pants, and, you know. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm being naughty. <laughs> exactly. Here's the thing about wearing pantyhose under your pants. Who the fuck wants to wear pantyhose? Pantyhose are disgusting. Right. Women Imagine, don't wear pantyhose. I know. This that like drove me crazy too when I read that. I was like I was like, nobody wears pantyhose. Like, <laughs> kill me to make me wear like I don't like gross. Yeah. You don't wear pantyhose unless you're uh you're acting out some sort of a, a weird thing with your significant your other where you're pretending to be a, a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> your role play right right can that i get situation. you something sir i don't know no. i've never done that before no so. you never role played <laughs> oh god but you have i would i would like laugh yeah that's I the part that. of the fun. i can't i can't take myself seriously in that kind mm. of scenario i'd be like i feel stupid <laughs> <laughs> i mean karaoke yeah that's a i'm but just like want to sing beatles is, that is a sign of wanting to be naughty Right, if you yeah. wear pantyhose, but isn't it also a sign? It's of like, like the guys who I worked at, like a video store in the aughts or whatever, and this guy would come in sometimes at night with a leather motorcycle jacket on, and then like flash, he was wearing lingerie underneath. Whoa, 
It's exhibitionism, fetishism, hmm. maybe autogynophilia. But it's isn't it also like they connect pantyhose with being a woman, and if you wish you were a woman, maybe that's something you would be attracted to wearing. Like, yeah, uh, they have all these weird you stereotypes. Know Kristen Beck uh, oh, used to be familiar. a Navy SEAL, transitioned. Oh, yeah, you yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, when Kristen was on the podcast, she actually talked about what that was like when she was first transitioning and she showed up at work with like big nails on and wearing a dress and everybody was like what the fuck is going on and like out of the blue yep out of the blue she just decided to go for it and then said look i'm the same person and it talks in the same voice it's really wild right but then it settled down and now is basically dresses i don't want to say like asexual but like, like a, a flannel person. shirt, which like a, a lot of women will wear flannel shirts, jeans, a lot of women wear jeans. Wasn't anything like m definitely masculine or feminine about the way. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these men who transition to become women have these weird, super old fashioned stereotypes about what a woman is and what women dress like. Like I, in Vancouver, mostly wore giant men's flannel shirts and like big men's boots and like jeans or like I wear like dirty converse and tube socks almost every day right so you could be transitioning yeah maybe I'm a boy if this <laughs> was around when I was a kid like maybe I would have thought I was a boy because I was like a tomboy like I hated pink I didn't want to wear dresses I didn't want to do girl things I wanted to play with he-man I like cut my hair short I wanted to hang out with the boys yeah, that's a problem that people are worried about with children that children are so malleable you know, and some people, they don't think you should be worried about it at all. And they think, you know, you should allow people to discuss anything and everything with your child when it comes to gender, when it comes to sexual identity, all those things. Say whatever you want. Sexual orientation. Talk mm -hmm. about it with the kids. Mm -hmm. Talk about it with the kids. And other people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're supposed to be teaching history. You know, and it, it, it is a weird thing because children are so malleable. Well, like, and also, like, why do teachers feel like they're the ones or feel entitled to, like, they're the ones who should be educating other people's children about their politics or their ideologies? Like, this yeah, is not your it's job. It's complex. And it's also just as complex if, I, if my kid was going to school and there was a hardcore right-wing teacher that was telling them that all gays are evil. I would I would not want that in my my or childhood either. Or somebody was teaching them about like the Virgin Mary like immaculate conception. Like, is that okay? Because essentially, you're teaching kids your religion. Like, right. as far as I'm concerned, gender identity is like a version of religion. It's just an idea. It's all faith based. Like, there's no there's no material reality. There's no scientific basis for the idea that a man like you says, I'm a woman. Oh, you're a woman. Like, what does that mean? It means nothing. It's all faith. It's like, well, I believe him. Okay, so it's right. faith-based. This is a religion. And you have to believe him. It can never be right. someone's having a mental, a, a mental issue. Yeah, maybe and this gender person's gender dysphoria struggling. is even offensive to some people. They don't even like the term gender dysphoria. But that was a legitimate psychological term that they used to classify people that were having this issue. 
Right. I mean, now to be trans, you don't have to have so-called gender dysphoria. I sort of think that term's imperfect myself because I sort of feel like it could be argued that everyone has some form of gender dysphoria because, like, say, like, I don't identify wholly with femininity. Like, there's parts of me that are feminine. There's some, like girl things that I like and there's lots of aspects of my personality that I think are kind of masculine like, like what I'm not nurturing at all I don't like babies I don't I've never <laughs> I'm not I don't <laughs> down with babies I, I I've never wanted to have kids I've never desired it I don't really like I mean some kids are cool I don't mean like, you know, kids yeah, have personalities. I like I like some kids, other ones, but I'm not, right. I don't look at a baby and I'm like, ah, I'm like, mm. got it. I would rather look at a dog. Um, <laughs> I love dogs. I, <laughs> I love dogs. I, um, I think I'm, I mean, I, I I'm kind of aggressive. Like I'm kind really? of domineering. Like really? I'm, I am, I'm very rational. That's like a stereotypically male. <laughs> joking. I'm not always very rational. I mean, I'm a Libra, so that was a joke. <laughs> um, I think, like, I don't take care of my boyfriends in any way at all. Like, they take, like, maybe emotionally or, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm affectionate and I'm loving, but I don't, like, cook and clean. Um, my boyfriends tend to, like, take care of me more than the other way around. Are you a boss bitch? I'm not very easy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a good thing, though? Not, Being a boss bitch is like a good thing. Lord, I That's what the, the rappers. I feel like my, I'm not, I'm not like the kind of chick who's like really easygoing in a relationship. You're a, a lot of work? I'm pretty difficult. Really? And, and you, you seem to celebrate that. Well, I can't help it. <laughs> it's just, I don't think it's always a good thing. It's like, I'm just, I'm, I want to talk everything through. I want everything to be out in the open. If I'm upset about something, I can't not say it. Like, you've probably noticed I'm not very good at not saying what I think. And in a relationship that can be challenging, right. like, I feel like a lot of people, I, I think it's a good thing. I think you should be open and talk about things in a relationship. But I feel like people who are able to maintain really long-term relationships and marriages often, not always, of course, are the kinds of people who don't say everything they think and, like, don't feel like they need to be like, I didn't like that. Like, what's going on? Like, I want to talk about this. They're right. sort of, like, let things lie. People, right. And I'm not a let things lie person. Hmm. Got it. So that's good if you want to be a social commentator because you're not going to bite your tongue. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably that makes sense because a lot of people don't want to experience the backlash that you've experienced for expressing your opinions on things. Yep. Yeah, most people don't. I mean, what's interesting about, like, people go after you a lot. People go after people like me. People go after people who have platforms and share their opinions. Um, and I don't think that they I don't I don't know if a lot of people understand that it's like it's I think it takes a certain personality to do this like you have to be able to take a lot of flack and I think that most people don't do that and you have to be the kind of person who really it's very 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 important to to say what you think mm -hmm. and to like speak openly and to tell the truth and I think what I've learned in the past few years and in doing this work is that's not what most people feel like a lot of people are content not saying what they think and not being authentic and not being honest like that's not a need for them and for me it's a need like I would feel 
I don't feel like I could function if I wasn't able to like fully be myself. I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, people have very specific personality traits that make them more effective at different jobs. And for what you do, that's a perfect personality for that job. But I, I, I know what you're saying, you know, in terms of you, 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 you know, you're not necessarily like all the way feminine, but no one, that's not gender dysphoria. I'm, that's, I mean, this is such a different thing than someone who really does think they're a man who happens to have a vagina. I totally agree with you. Like I've never been, I, I've never been confused about whether I'm a woman or not. My argument is that the term, because gender, people mess up gender and sex all the time. Like sex when I'm talking about sex, I'm just talking about biology, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're you have a male or a female body. To me, when I'm talking about gender, I'm talking about like sex stereotypes. So masculinity and femininity and those stereotypes that I was talking about before, like, uh, you know, women are supposedly like nurturing and delicate and emotional and irrational. And men are and some of these are true because of evolution, like to a certain extent, there's patterns. But people are not black and white. You know, men are domineering, violent, rational, aggressive. Um, What else is there? (laughs) They like to jerk off during Zoom meetings. (laughs) Have any women been caught masturbating during Zoom meetings? I do not think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's what's wild, right? Why are men more perverted than women? Um, Testosterone, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I don't know, I've never been a woman. Not yet. It has to be. Not yet, at least. (laughs) You never know. You never know. It could happen. Um, But I think it's testosterone. I think it makes, like, if you think about it, it's connected to aggression and sexuality, right? So there's not much in a woman that's connected to uh, being horny but also to being aggressive. Testosterone is really the only thing that does both of those things. So do you think that it's like men have, like, more of an uncontrollable sexual urge? I would have no idea. Okay. I, you know, I have to guess. It's it's clearly a spectrum because there's men that aren't interested in sex at all, and there's men mm-hmm. that are horny all the time, mm-hmm. and it's the same with women. That's true. Yeah, I know. I get. I actually get really mad when people talk about like men have a high sexual libido and women have a low sexual libido, and that and then that plays into this like kind of gatekeeping role that women are supposed to play. Like women have sexual power because they can choose not to have sex with a man, and it's like women like to have sex too. Like yeah. I don't want to choose to not have sex with a man. I want to have sex with a man. Like I'm a heterosexual woman. I also desire sex right. like it's i don't want to like, be in this role where i'm way, saying no to something yeah. that i actually want to do yeah but it's also it's not like it's a one-way street you know? and yeah and there are it's there's i like i have friends who've had boyfriends who like didn't feel like having sex almost ever yeah yeah that's an issue yeah it happens it's like with everything there's just a lot of variables and whenever you generalize like that and men want this and women want that like yeah. what fucking men what women well and it's you like know? do you talk to people in real life because i talk to a lot of people in real life and yeah. people are diverse they really are they really are and that's the problem with things like the left and the right is that when you get into an ideology and you're in a tribe i'm in the tribe of the left and so i have to subscribe to all the same things that these people subscribe to you know, I have to uh, take on all of their notions that I think are ridiculous. I have to say it without any questioning. I have to repeat the mantra. Yeah. That's what's going on. And, and you have to use the exact right language and the language changes all the time. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But, and okay, but so the gender thing, 
I feel like I was trying to finish a thought. Like, so when I'm talking about gender, I'm talking about those stereotypes about men and women. Right. That are like really just personality traits often. You know, some women are more aggressive and less nurturing. Some women are super nurturing and, you know, delicate and emotional or whatever. But so the term gender dysphoria, I think, bothers me just because of that, because it sounds to me then like you're just identifying with these gender stereotypes, which should be fine. Like you should be able to you know, identify with whatever personality traits you identify with. You should be able to like whatever clothes you like. Like if you're a man and you want to wear a dress and you don't feel very masculine or you don't have a high sex drive or you don't want to like fight, that's fine. Like be whoever you want to be. I agree with like I think gender dysphoria refers to something different, which is a very, very strong, overwhelming desire to actually be the opposite sex or you know to get rid of your sex body parts what do you think those caused this massive uptick in the public's understanding and discussion of it like when did this become something that's on the front line i mean it's so weird because all of the gender identity legislation was sort of presented and passed around the same time like it seemed like everything happened simultaneously at once in a lot of countries like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, the US. Um, and I I don't know exactly how that went down, but I think those activists, like the trans activists, were very well organized. I think that part of it, you know, I've, other people have theorized around this, so these are not my ideas coming out of nowhere, but, um, you know, once gay marriage was won, there wasn't much for these LGBT organizations to do and fight for anymore. So there's no reason for them to get funding. So they latched onto the trans rights thing so that they could continue to exist. People could keep their jobs, you know, so they could continue to get funding. Um, Cause I don't know, where do you go with the gay rights fight now in Canada and America? Like there's not that much to fight for anymore. That's sort of been one. Right. Marriage is legal. Discrimination is illegal. Yeah, you can't fire and, and somebody from their job for being too. gay. And yeah. yeah. Public acceptance is much higher. I have a friend who's gay who thinks that a lot of the transgender movement is homophobic. It is homophobic. But it's weird like I mean like in what way? It's like, well, if you don't identify if you don't believe in in males and females, you don't you don't believe there's a distinction. He was like, then what about gay men? Men who are absolutely attracted to men? Like are they what and and then if you're telling a lot of them that they're really met that these men are actually really females and they should just transition he's like i think that there's a homophobia attached to that and i'm like okay why do you think it is i mean i i absolutely agree with that because how can you be same sex attracted if there's no sex like gay people aren't attracted to gender they're attracted to sex like males who are gay are attracted to men with male bodies they're not attracted to women who are dressing like men or acting like men and same like lesbians have made this argument for a long time too that that trans like trans activism gender identity ideology is homophobic they're like no i'm attracted to women i love women i want to have sex with women i don't want to have sex with a man who claims to be a woman or dresses like a woman and you know lesbians 
have been super bullied in their own communities over this and over being critical of like trans women being welcomed into the lesbian community or being pressured to date trans women. Um, and, you know, Abigail Schreier does a bunch of research on, you know, young girls are transitioning at really high rates now. It used to be that more boys were transitioning. Now it's that more girls are transitioning. And often those girls are lesbians. Well, um, I think... Like, it's not cool to be a lesbian anymore. It's cool to be queer. It's cool to be non-binary. It's cool to be a trans boy. I think what Abigail's talking about, she's talking about that they happen also in clusters. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that there's some peer pressure involved and there's a, a, a I think she calls it a, a social contagion or... A, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That you you get praise for wanting to transition or for transitioning. The the non-binary thing's the weirdest one because uh you could just jump on board. It's know? so stupid. You could just say I'm non-binary. Well, anybody's non-binary. We know this right? guy who's non-binary and he fucks all these girls. It's <laughs> <laughs> You're like so you're a heterosexual man then, huh? He's a hustler. H-U-S-T-L-E-R, hustler. He found the thing. Like, that's how you get in and bang woke chicks. Ew, I would never <laughs> want to fuck a non-binary man. I mean, maybe he's really non-binary. I don't know. There's I mean, no maybe such that's thing what as he feels. non-binary. That's hey, not you know? a real concept. What does that mean? He's not a man. He's not a woman. That's impossible. Everybody is a man or a woman. Listen, when he fucks women, he's not doing it as a man. He's doing it as that a That is they. a gender-neutral he, penis. He's doing it as a they, and you have some fucking respect. That is gender-neutral sperm. It is a wild thing, right? That that is also, like, people will get as mad at you as if you fucking hit a baby with a car. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, people get real emotional about it. But, I mean, I think, I, I I don't know why people get so emotional about this trans woman or women thing. Like, I don't know why you, as a random woman, would be like because women get mad about it you know like women have gotten mad at me lots of women have gotten mad and been like trans women are women you should accept their identity and i'm like first of all this is stupid and doesn't make any sense but why do you care so much like who are you protecting what is your investment in this issue Mm -hmm. and i would tend to think that it's about presenting yourself as and thinking of yourself as a good person you're very invested in i'm a good person i'm a progressive person i'm accepting mm-hmm. i'm inclusive yes. i support diversity equality all those words yada 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 but some of them really do seem like some of it i think is phony but some of these people do seem to really get enraged like yeah. enraged at me if i don't want to use correct pronouns and it's like why like why are you so offended by this well, there's also the fear of being ostracized from the group. If you don't do that, if you don't go along, if you if you decided that you're a progressive person, you don't go along with all these things, you can get ostracized to the group or from the oh, group. Oh, totally. I mean- and it's scary out there on your own because what else are you going to do? You're going to be a Trump supporter? Because like we've, we've polarized the- God com- forbid. I mean, that's what we've polarized the country to where you are either a progressive- or you're a Democrat who tolerates progressives, or you're a person who doesn't like the Republicans, you keep going further and further left, you're like, never Trump. You know? And then a lot of those people, they get lumped into this thing, and you think of them only as the most radical of the people in the group that are the loudest, which is 
the you know the hardcore left wing people, the Antifa type people. Whereas on the right, like if you go right, what's the worst thing? Would they go to the like the Proud Boys or some you know white supremacist organization? That's what people think of the January Six people. That's what people think of. So you're either with the January Six people or you're with Antifa. Right. Like it it literally that's what it is on both sides. When you get to the furthest edges, it's equally crazy, and it's equally crazy in these predictable, adoptable patterns that these people have to subscribe to if they want to be a part of the ideology, whether it's the right ideology or the left ideology. Either you want to throw Molotov cocktails at the state house and, and call everybody a fascist, or you want to take zip ties to the fucking Capitol building and look for a senator to tie up. Well, it's, yeah. It's I... the same fucking person. They just found different ways to port that crazy out into the universe. Totally. And I mean, and the binary thinking is, I mean, I talked about this a bit earlier but this is what people are doing to me constantly now that I've been talking about leaving the left or not wanting to identify as left wing like I just want to be an independent just I'm not person. identifying anywhere yeah. and I don't I don't plan on I don't want to categorize myself or label myself in any way so you're far right how long have you yeah. been far right Megan like you're sounding like a Trumpist like well, there's certain shows out there that will just immediately call you far right if you don't agree with the orthodoxy yeah and that's, that's, yeah, what people have been doing to me. And it drives me crazy. I need to stop getting upset about this, but I can't. Like, I've always, I always get very, very upset about being misunderstood. Yes. And I know, I mean, I, you can't control that. People are going to misrepresent you. They're going to misunderstand you, especially if you're, like, a public you're figure. You're just a soul whose intentions are good. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, exactly. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be, be misunderstood. misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> But you're, that's part of your gift is that you, uh, you have the courage to talk about things that other people find uncomfortable and say them from an honest perspective. Like, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I don't like. This is what I think. And then also back it up with, like, other people are seeing it too. And this is not, like, this is something that they, the, the, the warning bells were rang. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's, this, it's the distinction between males and females is, is very weird in, in, when it plays out in sports and in games and stuff like that. I'm always fascinated by that because, like, there's clearly, like, great women athletes. And, like, you've got your stories like Jermaine Duran to be knocking out that guy. But wh where it gets weird is other games that aren't, they don't involve physical strength. Like, one of them is pool. Mm, like, that's interesting, actually, because men are more inclined toward like way more men play pool than women yeah are yeah. men actually better at pool than women yeah oh yeah, yeah. a lot better i mean it seems i'm really bad at pool no, i'm though, quite good at foosball though okay well they're very different things when we, <laughs> we talk about professional billiards yeah it's it's almost like there's it's not as far apart as like the outlier female kickboxer knocking out the male kickboxer it's not that far apart um, but no women win competitions. Hmm. Like if they want to enter into an open, like so, so like say they have women's professional tournaments where women compete against women, and they have uh, open. Everything else is open. So like if there's a U.S. Open, women compete in the U.S. Open, the World Championships. Women can compete against the men. They can compete, but they never win. Okay. There's there's women out there that are very good and they're capable of winning a match. Like the way a pool game is played, like say, d depending on what tournament it is, it could be say a race to 10. So like if we're playing nine ball, if you pocket the nine 10 times and I pocket it seven times, you win because you made it to 10 quicker. You won 10 games faster. Okay. So a woman can win in a race to 10, but they never win the whole tournament. A man always winds up beating them, which is odd. 
because it's not a physical strength thing. It's not, there's yeah, nothing. Why would that be? Because that I feel like is holy skill and precision. There's women that are very, 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 very good, but they're not as good as the world champion men. I wonder why that is. There it must is, be some science behind that. I think they've tried to narrow it down to an understanding of 3D space that's different hmm. for males than it is for women. Maybe that has something to do with testosterone. Um, there's quite a few women that are really good that are lesbians, which is interesting. Huh. Uh, I don't. I don't know what it is, but it's one of those things. It's like, what if someone like identified as a woman? They were an elite professional pool player, and they just started cleaning up in the women's division. You wouldn't really have a good argument that they have an advantage because it's not a strength advantage. It's not a speed advantage. So what is the advantage? Well, maybe there is one. I mean, I don't know what it is, but there's some sexed advantage. The only seems. advantage that you would ever have in strength is in the break shot. Right. But that's not going to win you. It's not that big of a deal. A lot of people kind of soft break today. They don't break that hard. Hmm. They break. They want to like make the one ball on the side or make the corner ball. And sometimes it's actually better to not hit it too hard. So, but that would be the only thing that would involve physical strength. I mean, it so, it seems to me that like the there's only a few competitions where men and women can compete against one another sort of on an equal playing field and one of those i'm told is like um shooting like rifle what oh, is that makes sense yeah because right? you, you're basically just aiming and breath control i would think if the ri rifle was heavy that would be an issue but pistols yeah and pistols i mean it doesn't seem i don't know like what, what like if men started identifying as women to compete in figure skating would that like screw over women in figure skating mm, that's a good question the more like, strength, more strength in the legs. But they're not. More but are they judged by how high they jump? They're just judged on doing the things perfectly. Right, but doesn't the difficult difficulty factor in? Maybe. I think it does. Um, you know, like they if they have more leg strength, I would believe they could leap higher and spin more and. For sure. I mean, that's sort of like the thing with skateboarding, too, eh? Right, right. Like it's right. like those they can jump higher and farther and right. like. They can move faster, right? And what are the again? What are the what specifically do you have to prove if you want to compete as a woman? Do they test you? Do they make sure that you you aren't taking testosterone? Do they test you to make sure that you're taking estrogen? Do they check your testosterone levels? Not in skateboarding. Well, that's crazy. Right? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because if if it is a physical thing, which it clearly is, like the best skateboarders are very good athletes. Yeah. You know, what they do is incredible. It's hard to do. Oh, yeah. So if that's the case, then you would think that you would want to make sure that someone isn't taking performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, maybe they will at some point. Or maybe if it, we were talking about at the Olympic level, I don't think that it's come up in skateboarding at the Olympic level. I mean, that's relatively new that they've included. When did skateboarding get into the Olympics? I, may, I think maybe just like the last Olympics. Like, okay. I, I'm not an so expert, they definitely but test them recent. there. They definitely test yeah. them there. But in regular competition, like it's probably not been that big of an issue so far for them to really have to deal with it. Like Taylor is mm. probably the first person who's ever spoken out about this in skateboarding. Like it's been talked about in other sports, track, swimming, MMA, um, like weightlifting. Yeah. Um, and those ones are easier because they're so obvious. I mean, people are obviously still going along with it anyway, but it's very obvious. Like when you look at, there's like a photo of Leah Thomas at the swim meet and <laughs> they're all, 
diving and he's like two feet higher than all the rest of the chicks and immediately farther along. And he's also just obviously bigger. He's a tall, big dude. Who was a really good swimmer as a man, which is nuts. Yeah, and he transitioned like the rule. A year ago. Yeah, exactly. He started taking, doing hormone replacement therapy a year ago. Now, someone told me that uh, Leah is still intact. Probably. And dates girls. Probably. I don't know, but most- Is that true? Most most guys who identify as trans women are still intact and date girls. Like, that's a horrible surgery to get, to get your dick cut off and inverted. (sighs) Into like a neo vagina that's not supposed to be Did there. You call it so neo vagina. That's what they call it, a neo vagina. Really well, that's probably not what trans activists call that, but I think like in if you're gonna like read a research paper or something like that, that's what they would call it, or surgeons call it a neo vagina. But like it's a hole that wants to keep closing up because it's not supposed to be there. Like it's not. It's hard to maintain. It's gross, for reasons that I let people imagine. Like, it doesn't function like a vagina. Vaginas are supposed to be there. They operate in a specific way that's conducive to sexual intercourse. They are self-cleaning, which is not the case for a surgical hole that's been an inverted penis. Like, um, the men will, like, grow hair on the inside. Do you know what I mean? Oh, boy. Because it's from, like, their ball sack. It's that skin, so. Oh, Jesus. And it. Smells bad. Um, I anyway, and also they're they're really complicated surgery, and there can be complications really easily. And there's more than once you have to have a bunch of surgeries to get all this done. Yeah, and yeah, and you might end up you have to have more than one not being able to have sexual pleasure. The other way around is really horrific. Like women who are transitioning to men and want like a fake penis attached, they like take the skin off of your arm yeah i've seen that and that's a bunch of surgeries and you don't get a functional penis do you not really and sometimes it doesn't take right sometimes your body rejects it and you have to try again a number of times it's really gross and then yeah it's like then you can't come like what is even the point what is the point of having a penis if you can't like have sexual pleasure and you can't have an orgasm what does the penis do then? I don't know, but there was a cover of a magazine that showed this person who had just transitioned and had a big scar on their leg. With, yeah. And had a giant old hog. Yeah, I read that. Um, what was her one. name? She was a she was a journalist. I go, oh God, I can't remember her name. I wrote something about that. She was a journalist, and she'd you know she'd reported in like war torn countries and had been traumatized by with witnessing some pretty horrible sexual assault and she had a history of um sexual abuse like she'd been molested as a kid i think that kind of stuff factors into transition too especially for women it's like naturally you want to get rid of your sexualized body if um you in your brain are like well these men did these things to me when i started developing right you want to go back to not being a sexual looking woman but she yeah she decided to be a man and they did a cover story and she had this giant like uh, like a giant hole in her thigh kind of thing from where they'd taken the skin and turned it into her fake penis (sighs) It's really, it's a horrible thing to go through and 
I just I think that these people are often trying to deal with mental problems in physical or superficial ways. And now we live in a culture where a therapist isn't allowed to challenge you. Like if you go to a therapist and you're a young woman and you say, I'm a boy, you have to take an affirmative approach and say, "Okay, yeah, you're a boy. Go get some hormones like we can give you a mastectomy and a hysterectomy. So they're not being questioned about like anything else that it might be connected to past trauma. Are you sure that all therapists behave the same way? Well, I think therapists are scared. So probably not all therapists, but these therapists don't want to be accused of transphobia and then lose their careers. So I think that most therapists are going along because they could get in a lot of trouble if they don't. It's because it's it's so complex because you like you want people to do what makes them happy. I want people to have the choice, and I don't know how you feel. Like I don't know how someone feels when someone t- says to me that I've always known that I was a woman. I don't have any idea how they feel, so I Neither have to take I. them at their word. I mean, what does it mean to feel like a woman? I have no idea what it means like to feel. I don't feel like a woman. I just feel like whatever, like me. Right, but you are a woman. Yeah. See, so you are a woman, and you feel like you, and it does. It feels like it syncs up. But yeah. imagine if you were a man, and you felt like you should feel like you. You should felt like you should look like you. You should be like you. Like you like the things that a girl likes, but you feel like somehow or another nature's thrown you a curveball and you have a male body but you have a female mind really weird no i i can't imagine that it's um, got to be real it's I, I think we're dealing with many things i think we're dealing with legitimate people that are trans people where i don't want to delegitimize anybody but when i say by the word legitimate i mean there's an issue where they genuinely, from the moment they were born, have felt like a girl, and they're confused, and they don't understand why, and everything else is great, and if they transition, they'll be happier. I think those people exist. But I also think all the other things that you said are true, too. The statistics about um, people who felt like they were trans when they were young and then eventually became gay men, those are very high, right? And and lesbians, yeah, yeah, like lesbians, like there's a lot of girls, and I've interviewed these girls who on, think like, they were boys and turn out yeah, to be who, lesbians. Yeah, who when they're teenagers, like older teenagers, usually um, are like, I well, you know, like I don't feel like I fit in. I feel like I'm not a girl. Like I like other girls, and I don't want to wear girly clothes. And I don't like I must be a boy. And then they transition, and a couple years down the line, they're like, I'm not a boy. I'm a lesbian. So there's there's all these things. So how do you know what's what? How do you know who's who's getting influenced by culture and society? And one of the things about Kristen Beck is that she grew up in a fucking military town, like in a small town in the middle of nowhere in Texas and did not have any transgender ideology. So all of the ideas that that was pushed on her or that she was indoctrinated, that's all. it doesn't work with her. Mm-hmm. So for sure, there are people out there that are experiencing the same thing that Kristen Beck experienced, the same thing other people experience too, where they feel like they're in the wrong body. And then also for sure, there's people like Abigail Schreier is talking about that may be being influenced by the trendiness of it, by the social contagion aspect of it. Like We have to be able to look at all these possibilities and to say that it's binary. Either you are a woman or you're a man, you know, you recognize yourself as a woman or a man, or that's it. Like that's, and you are, oh, you are a woman. You've always been a woman. Okay. 
guess I'm a woman. Like to 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 make it like that and to avoid all nuance and to to avoid all these other possibilities, to avoid this term gender dysphoria, to avoid all of this uh, information about you know whether or not this is even effective or if it makes people happy. Like what what is going on? You can't. As soon as you can't discuss an issue without being fearful of being attacked by it, people that don't agree with you, it becomes very problematic because people get scared and they become cowards. And you get people on one side that will virtue signal and they'll claim to fight against you. You know, the, she's a piece of shit. I fucking hate her. And we got to take her down. Yeah, we got to take her down. They'll, yeah. And they'll do it to like let the tribe know that they're on the right side. And you've also like hack political commentators that'll do that. And they're just doing it because they're just dumb and sloppy and that's how they behave and they, they'll find something that they can rally against and it's it's good for clicks, you know? Yeah, I mean, they need a headline. Yeah, they need something to fight against because they don't really have interesting nuanced opinions. They have, you know, it's just, it's they're bullshit culture. This hot take culture is a, yeah. it's a wild culture because there's a whole industry of hot take assholes out there. And all they do is like live for hot takes. And what they don't understand is people lose all faith in your actual opinions on things when you're just doing these hot takes. Cause now I don't know you. I don't know you. I know what you're doing. I know the, the titles of these outrageous clips. I know you screaming at the camera. I know all the stuff that people do. Or crying on the camera crying about the all camera. the harassment yeah. that you got as a female journalist online before you went and tried to ruin somebody else's life. Yeah, there's a lot of those too. <laughs> but I don't know them because they're not honest. And that's why they don't resonate. That's why it doesn't work well. I mean, that's got to like harm those people who are doing it too because imagine if you were under that kind of pressure to continue like to come up with hot takes on like a variety of subjects every single day like I don't write about something unless like I've thought about it a lot yeah like I'm not gonna like just be like oh what's your opinion on this like the like some of some uh, I'll have some answers for some questions if it's stuff that I've thought about, like, I think this, I think that. But, like, if it's something I don't know, I'm just going to be like, I don't know. I don't know well, anything writing, about this. I don't have an opinion. Writing is very different than hot takes because people have hot t I have hot takes on things, on stuff. What but do you I, think but about fat my real thing. I think it's bullshit. <laughs> Listen, I'm a healthy person, yeah. like, by, by effort. I, I work out very hard at it. You know, I've been doing it my whole life. The idea that um, you have the same – the idea that a person can decide – to eat unhealthy, to let their body balloon to morbi morbid obesity, and you don't discuss that. You don't ever bring that up. You don't tell them that. You the don't say it's unhealthy. The doctor's not allowed to tell you that. Doctors not. There's even doctors that will lie, and cite nonsense and pretend that it's healthy to be fat and there's nothing wrong with it. And actually, dieting is unhealthy. Yeah. Like there's so many things that are linked to obesity, so many diseases, so many problems. And people will say, oh, well, skinny people can be unhealthy too. It's true. Yep. It's totally true. Yep. They're right, but not to the same numbers. They're not even close. Not even the cl Unless you're talking about anorexics. If you talk about people that are of optimum weight, the amount of, uh, I mean, depending upon their diet, of course. I mean, someone could have a terrible diet and you get a bunch of diseases that are connected to that, but... Obesity is a rough one. That's one of the things we learned during COVID. There was one point in time where 78% of the people who were in the ICU were obese. It makes me so angry. It makes me so angry that they created all this hysteria around COVID and pretended that anybody could just die of COVID in a second when we knew full well that it was people who were 
you know, it was old people and like fat people, like really unhealthy people. And it's like, shut down the gyms, shut down the gyms because like people who are unhealthy and fat are dying of this disease. So shut down healthy people's lives and force them to be unhealthy. That's the solution. Well, I think it was an interesting case because it it clearly was more dangerous than anything we've ever experienced before in terms of uh, infectious disease. It's clearly more dangerous than the flu, clearly more dangerous than a lot of things. But you weren't allowed to look at it like you look at those other things. But everybody like wasn't at equal risk. No, no, no. They were not. But a lot of people who you didn't think were at risk got fucked up by it too, which was really interesting because I don't think it's even across the board. Look, I think there's a high probability that that fucking thing came from a lab yeah. and it behaves like something that came from a lab. And that's why it's wild. It's wild because there's people that have... You know, no problem with the flu, and they got fucking wrecked by COVID, like real bad. Lungs scarred, decreased oxygen capacity, decreased cardiovascular output, all that stuff. Like, I don't know a single person who had like a horrible experience with COVID. Oh, I do. I tested positive, and I had zero symptoms. Well, let me tell you about Hamzat Chemaev, okay? Okay. Because Hamzat Chemaev is one of the best fighters in the UFC, one of the best up-and-coming contenders. He was hospitalized multiple times for COVID. He was spitting blood up in his toilet bowl and tried to retire coughing blood up in the toilet because of covid because of covid yeah crazy yeah and he's a fucking elite top of the food chain assassin but here's what happened he didn't give himself the chance to recover he got covid and he tried to train and he was training while he had covid and he fucked himself up yeah. and, he, and he you know it got stronger and then he was admitted to the icu he almost died he, he was admitted to the hospital more than once on multiple occasions because he's just a fucking psycho, and he kept training, and he didn't give his body a chance to recover. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't heard these stories. I'm literally talking about people I know in real life. And everybody that I know in real life who got COVID, like, stayed home in bed until they felt better. My friend Michael Yo got COVID, and he got COVID early on in the pandemic, and he was hospitalized for weeks. And he thought he was going to die. And it was, it was real bad. But I don't know what—I don't know whether or not he's— was healthy at the time. I know he was exhausted. He told me the whole story of how he uh, flew to New York, did press, flew back, drove to Vegas with his family, and then drove back the next day and then tested positive for COVID and it was wrecked. But just doing that alone, that's six hours of driving after flying, hanging out with your wife's family, everybody getting together, probably having a couple cocktails, laughing, not getting enough sleep, jet lagged. Well, that's how you get day, real boom, sick. Exactly. Like I got exactly. a cold that turned into bronchitis and then turned into freaking pneumonia. Right. Because I had to travel. Right. Like, because exactly. I was like way overtired. I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't get like the vitamins that I needed. I couldn't rest enough. I couldn't get the food that I needed. I had to go on all these planes. I had to work. And I just like, I, yeah, I couldn't heal. And so it turned into pneumonia. Exactly. And that is something that happens to people with COVID. So that's what gets the really healthy people. So when they bring that up as an example, it's like the problem is if you are a person that has to fly and has to work late and has to do things where you're not getting enough sleep, then it's fucking dangerous. Because if you're taxed out and that hits you, when it, when it got me the first day, I was like, whoa, I was like, this is fucking strong. I was like, this is interesting because it hits you so quick. I was like, from the moment I was on, I was on the plane, I was feeling funky. And then um, I just thought I was hungover. And then I got back to uh, Texas and that night I was sweating and I was I was freezing I sweat through three different pairs of sweatpants mm -hmm. or a sweatshirt and a hood and freezing right so I change I uh, shiver in, put a new one on get back under the covers I had a you know I was sleeping by myself 
Um, I told my wife I was probably sick, and then I moved to the other side of the bed. I moved to her side and soaked that side too. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's because of all those things that I said. I was drinking. I was flying. I was in Florida. We played pool till three thirty in the morning, and uh, I had like five margaritas. And then the next day did a show, and then flew back that night. So it was a lot of you know yeah. environmental stress, alcohol, shows, this, that, the other thing. But I still got over it pretty quick. And that, but that's how illness works. Like yeah. that's how you get sick, and then you get too exactly. sick. My whole family had it at one point in time, early in the pandemic, and I didn't get it, and I didn't do anything to avoid it. I didn't do yeah. anything. I was hugging my kids when I had it, and I felt weak a couple of days. I was like, "Whoa, I wonder if this is gonna is gonna get me." Like when I would go to work out. Um, I would re- I, I knew something was going on. It did not feel normal. So I said I am just it was at my house So I was like and I had five days off So I was I was like we could figure this out I'm like let's just see what's going on here. And so I worked out and when I worked out I was like something's wrong. This does not feel like me I'm like I'm just gonna just just go light and break a sweat and don't be an asshole And I did that two days in a row and then by the third day I got into the gym I'm like I feel pretty fucking good and then I, I worked out pretty hard, but I tested negative every day. I never tested positive. I tested myself every single day. That's funny because the one time that I thought that I got it and I was like, this is weird. And like, I couldn't get out of bed. Like I was just exhausted. I was like sweating a lot too. And I had this weird dry cough that never turned anything. It was just a consistently dry cough. But, um, and I was like, hey, I probably have COVID. So I just stayed home. I had tried to go to the gym like very early on and I was like so tired. I just was like, I Did can't you test for do anything. Um, you guys tested me for antibodies, them? and I didn't have them. When, but I was, I'm sh- I just, many months out from your, um, from the, your being sick. I was, was it? a long time after, I think. Jamie's got superhuman antibodies. You should see his antibody level. Amazing. He, he pulls it out like a big dick. Just what to does show it everybody. protect him from? Everything? Well, he's just been exposed to a lot of dirty girls. Always <laughs> around him. So you can't get him. chlamydia anymore either, huh? That's how that works, right? Is that how it works? You can only get it once. <laughs> If you get it enough times, then you're immune. But Jamie got COVID in October of 2020. He got it early, Uh early on. And um, then, like, recently, you had a... Didn't you have an antibody test real recently that was fat? Uh, I want to say maybe someone didn't have a strong line, so I was like, let me show you a strong line. Yeah, that was... You know what it was? It was uh, Protect Our Parks. Okay. It was uh, when like Norman ago. and Gillis had just gotten over COVID, and so that we wanted to see. And his his fucking lines are fat, so he's got crazy antibodies. I mean, I this you guys t- like tested me here for antibodies, so that would have been like a year ago. I haven't tried since then. They say you have T and B cell um, memory too, which is interesting. It's like even if your your body doesn't have antibodies, it has memory, and it could develop those antibodies if you're come in contact with it. Some of these guys um, that work here, um, they didn't catch COVID a second time, but they came in contact with it, and then they felt like weird, and then it showed up that they had antibodies. So, like, when Mercy would test us, it would show that your your levels indicate that something recently, uh, your body tried to fight it off recently. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people treat covid based on anecdotal evidence or what they read in the media so i'm like you know i it's hard not to though 
well, what yeah. else do you if you don't read it in the media or you don't get it anecdotally how are you gonna what information are you getting other than that well so but i mean yeah For i most mean most people unless you're reading scientific papers well and even scientific papers have conflicting information Right, depending upon who's running the study and what the parameters of the study were, and especially if they went into the study with uh, a bias and they, they tried to accomplish a certain thing. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I guess I'm just like, my experience is that I left Vancouver during COVID and I moved to Mexico and everything was fine there. Well, I, <laughs> I left LA and I came to Texas and everything was normal. People yeah. were normal here in May of 2020. It was wild. Like people walking around with no masks on, all friendly. We were all packed into bars, spitting in each other's faces, sharing, we sharing food, sharing drinks, yeah. sharing cigarettes. Like the thing that did me in when I got sick, for sure, one hundred percent, was that I was drinking and flying. I was drinking in Florida, stayed up really late, was yeah. exhausted, and then had to fly the next day. Did a show, had to fly that night. It was a lot. It I get a lot sick a lot when I fly, just in general. Like I have to be real careful. Yeah, I mean, it's not good for your body to be that fucking high up in the air and th that that air that you're breathing. I know it's recycled air and I know yeah. it's supposed to be purified and everything like that. And it always makes me exhausted and dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. You're also probably getting cooked by radiation. Is that what happens on the plane? They cook you with radiation? I don't know if it's bad for you, but I do know that you get exposed to high levels of radiation when you fly. Um, I want to say high levels, higher levels okay. of radiation. I wonder, like, if um, stewardesses have issues, if flight attendants have issues with radiation. I had no idea that you were being exposed to radiation. Yeah, see, what, let's Google it. Here it goes. We are exposed to low levels of radiation when we fly. You would be exposed to about 0 0.035 MSV. 3.5 MREM of cosmic radiation if you were to fly within the United States from the East Coast to the West Coast. This amount of radiation is less than the amount oh. of radiation we receive from one chest x-ray. So how it's much probably less? fine. Yeah, but how much less? I don't really know anything about radiation. But the thing is, like, a chest x-ray, you have to wear a lead vest. Oh, right. That's a good point. Worried about cooking your fucking organs. Like, that's not a good, like, chest x-rays are fucking bad for you. Okay. I mean, there's a reason why they put that vest on you, right? Don't they protect your junk? Do they protect your well, junk? Well, they do it when they give you x-rays at the dentist, right. too. Yeah. They protect you. Or yeah. they protect, like, they put something Meanwhile, on you here. They don't protect your fucking brain. They don't give you a lead helmet like Magneto. That's weird, eh? It's weird. The, the radio, like, that, that argument, I don't see air travel exposed you to radiation. How much risk? So does it show us there? Okay. It says your dose, that thing that you just had, that little circle right there. So it says your dose. I guess that red is the, what's the big one at the bottom there? Is that the x-ray? Uh, that upper left-hand corner? Oh, sorry, the, the big red thing. If the upper left-hand corner of the, the screen. Uh, yeah, that's why I just clicked. I couldn't yeah, tell that's what I'm saying. What is the big red one at the bottom? What does that say? It just doesn't make any sense. A single dose fatal. It's about radiation poisoning, I think. Oh, okay. So where's the flight? Which one's a flight? Right is it the here. little tiny 40, one? 40, yeah. Okay, so 40, and then, can you make that a little bigger? So abdominal, okay, that's cool. An abdominal x-ray is 200. A flight is 40. A dental x-ray is only five, but they still throw that lead vest on you. So think about that. Think about that shit. Hip x-ray is a little bit more, though. I know this. 800 for hip x-ray. Ooh, hip x-ray is There's 800. a chest CT scan, which... Whoa. I guess that's a little bit more. 
A CT Jeez. scan. Interesting. It's 12,000. Holy fuck. Whatever units that is. That's a lot. What's an MRI? Is that in there? Well, that's magnetic resonance imagery. I don't think that's radiation. Yeah. Uh, and then it says like 400,000 was a dose that would cause symptoms of radiation poisoning. Yeah, but that like over how much time? Like there's got to be a reason why they throw that fucking lead vest on Well, so you. yeah, this one is also saying a flight, a frequent flyer. So that's someone who's flying a lot. is going to have uh, almost. Oh, um, see, there times, it is. Look at times. that. Frequent flyer from New York to Los Angeles has 480 as opposed to 200 from an abdomen x-ray. But So what does that mean? That's a lot like, of radiation. What, is that, what happens then if you're exposed but to that But that's over time. Much? You can read minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Imagine. great. In the comic More books, that's what, was what happened. In the comic books, you got radiation. You became cool as fuck. That's How much right? do we get from the sun? Don't we get something? Not, I guess. Uh, yeah, you must get some solar radiation. Just hanging out outside, don't you yeah. get radiation? Well, the thing is, like, everything has radiation. Like, rocks have radiation. Like if you are if you are exposed to rocks, like you touch a hot rock, that rock has radiation. Okay. But it's very very little. Like you, people are worried about your cell phone. The radiation from your cell phone. Mm-hmm. Maybe is it bad? Uh, I don't know. Some people think it is. You're supposed to not put them on your genitals. Yeah. Your cell phone. Elon doesn't think it's bad, so I'm like, oh, tell me what to do. Elon. I'm not too worried about <laughs> my cell phone. But if you listened, like by your ear. On one side of your head and then developed a tumor. Here's a little comparison chart that maybe helps. Ultrasound or MRI. Radiation exposure equivalent to zero days of natural radiation, zero hours of flying. Lower back x-ray. Radiation exposure is equivalent to 213 days of natural radiation or 182 hours of flying. Lower back CT scanned is equivalent to 511 days of natural radiation or 462 hours of flying. So if you're a stewardess, you're getting cooked. Are you allowed to is, say stewardess I want the, There must be studies. Is it a stewardess? I don't know. I say stewardess, but I think you're supposed... Well, I guess you're supposed to say like flight actress. attendant. Actresses are just actors. They're female actors. I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. No? I think maybe I went through a phase of caring a little bit, but I, I don't care about, like, I don't care about calling people retards. I don't care about calling people, like, bitches or cunts or assholes or dickbags or motherfuckers or... Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, like, a potty mouth, but I just... I feel like it's not important. You know That's what? not the important thing. You know what phrase went away? Comedian. I don't even remember that being a thing. Yeah, it was female comedian. That's silly. Comedian. Well, comedian Miss Pat. Miss Pat is one of the funniest people alive. She has like comedian Miss Pat is her Instagram. That was like com- comedian I E N N E. I think is that it? How do you, how do you say? I've that? never yeah. heard that. You never heard comedian? No, I don't think so. Yes, there it is. Comedian. A female, female comedian. Just weird. Weird. Because comics don't use it. Yeah, I mean it is it it is really un, unnecessary, I think. But uh, also, I don't care. Like, okay. I feel like people tried to make that like a. It's not an actress, actor. Everyone's an actor. I'm like, who right. cares? It's yeah. a female actress, or it's a female, a female actor. actor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it just I don't think that's the important thing. I think that what's happening in real life is the important thing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? No, for sure. I just think it's interesting the phrases that just get adopted, and with comedy, it just got abandoned. For whatever reason. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, 
you would think, but it's obviously not true, that that's because, like, comedy can't be woke because how do you make jokes if everything's supposed to be woke? But obviously they've woked comedy, so. Yeah. Or they've tried to in any case. I feel like it's it was short-lived funny. because I feel like the unwoking of comedy came around pretty fast. Like, I feel like there was, like, a period of time when they were trying to, like, make woke comedy happen, and then people like Ricky Gervais and, like, Dave Chappelle were like, nah. <laughs> well, it's also the problem. Well, first of all, Ricky Gervais's new shit is fucking hilarious. Oh, it's so good. It's hilarious. Yeah. But it's also when you are doing, when you're trying to be woke, you are saying, I adhere to the ideology. I will speak only the phrases that empower and enlighten. Like, that's not comedy. No. Comedy is talking shit. Comedy is you, you have a couple of drinks and you say something fucked up to your friend, you both laugh hysterically. Or you call each other up and you don't even mean what you're saying, but you're saying something to be funny. That's comedy. Mm. And when you want to pretend that that's a statement, you're going to lose me as an actual human. Like I can't talk to you as a real individual anymore because I know you're playing a game. So I can't take what you're saying seriously any longer because mm-hmm. now you're not really having a conversation with me. You're just trying to force me into your ideology for social brownie points. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's not authentic. No. It's phony. Torshit. Yeah. And it's like, I'm willing to have a reasonable conversation with anybody about any subject. But if you want to pretend that jokes aren't jokes, we can't talk. Like you you can't of... say that you can't joke about things. You can't say that that Ricky Gervais stuff is offensive. It might have offended you. It didn't offend me. It's so funny, though. It was hilarious. I mean, I feel sort of like jokes and humor trump all. Like, if it's funny, then I'm like, okay, but it's funny. So, yeah, yeah, if it works. Like, I, yeah, I guess I just, I think that there's some people who actually, I really don't like these people, who actually don't have a sense of humor. Like, they just don't, like, they don't care. They don't think, like, humor is not important to them, and they kind of don't really get it like there's a lot of that it's also like this is offensive this is offensive sometimes it's and a lot of times it's phony but i think there genuinely are people who are like well i didn't get it so it's not funny it's like no you didn't get it because you have a bad sense of humor there's that and there's also people that are authoritarians and they don't like comedy because it's a loophole right if they want to tell you what to do you know and you are joking around about something they're like no you can't joke around about that and they'll tell you this is this is off limits for comedy and they want to fucking protest and yeah yeah that's what it is it's like they're just upset that in their mind like there are things you just can't joke around about and in in their mind it's you know whatever their ideology says yeah i mean i get it's just it's so controlling yeah. Like I'm so weirded out by this culture where people think that they are entitled to control other people, what other people think, what other people say, what other people yeah. joke about. And I don't understand the desire to do that either. It's like like let people live. Yeah. Like why are you so obsessed with what other people are doing? Is that like cuz you don't have anything interesting going on in your life or you feel out of control in your own life? Like I keep trying to like look at it through a psychological lens i suppose and i i don't i i doesn't make sense no yeah but it's a just a natural human trait a natural human characteristic whether it's through religion or through culture to get people to adhere to the boundaries that you've set for your group and if someone tries to stray outside those boundaries and and joke about things or do something or say something or have you know some sort of a an opinion that's uh, forbidden and you want to signal that you're part of the in-group, which yeah. is tribalism exactly. also, right? Exactly. So you're like, I'm part of this group, so I believe this, so I won't tolerate this. Yeah. You're part of the out-group. 
Megan, I have to pee so bad. I have to pee too. Good. I kept okay. being like, should I interrupt? Because yeah. I really let's, have to. Let's pee. wrap this up. Okay. Um, tell people, uh, you said it before, but say it again. Your Substack. Oh, it's just Megan Murphy. So M E G H A. There it is. The same drugs with Megan Murphy. Also, and... oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, like, so is this going to come out tomorrow? tomorrow? Yeah. So tomorrow, you'll people if they still want to come, they can still buy tickets to this event. At what the... day is the event? June 10, June 10, Friday at 6 p.m. And where's it at? Austin Central Library. It's called Women Leaving the Left. Um, so uh, that's, yeah, 710 West Caesar, Caesar Chavez. Caesar Chavez, yes. Yeah. Event It's easy to find. Go to my so Instagram. The, the link's there. Okay. Buy tickets online if you would like to come. Anyway, thank you so much for having thank me. You. This was really it's fun. Great. It was so great, great to, to see you again. It was fun. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.